0: Hey, I'm Clayton.
1: And I'm Sean. And we're men who like men who like movies. We're two queer men who love movies, and we love talking about movies. And after a lot of urging, we've started a podcast. So we got a little sweaty this week, didn't we, Clayton? What'd we watch?
0: (laughs) We watched 2007's Bug, which I've been so curious about this episode for a very long time because... I loved this movie when I saw it after it came out and have visited it a couple times since. And you saw it in theaters and hated it. But we do have a very special guest today. Trace Thurman, one half of Horror Queers. Thank you so much for coming.
2: Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk bug. I'm I'm a little disappointed I missed your Killer Joe episode because that's another mo- kid movie that I really, really like
0: ooh, that's a good episode. I would recommend that.
2: (laughs) It was. That was my first
1: time for that one as well. And uh, I'm apparently just getting, like, of course I've seen The Exorcist, but I'm apparently just catching up on my freaking, (laughs) freaking lettuce. I
2: I haven't seen a ton of William Friedkin. Like, yeah, I've seen The Exorcist. I've seen Bug. I've seen Killer Joe. But he has a whole string of movies there in the 70s and 80s. And I'm like, oh, shit. I I have some catching up to do. (laughs) I've seen The French Connection, but I think it was like 10 or something like that
1: so it's been long enough that i remember parts of it but i don't remember like as a whole
2: yeah i've i've seen cruising and i've seen the hunted the benicio del toro tommy Lee jones movie he did in 2003 Mm. but like i've never seen french connection i've never seen sorcerer never seen uh to live and die in la um i had no idea he directed jade uh but yeah that's yeah i i I am a blind spot on Friedkin apparently (laughs)
0: Yeah, uh, other than The Exorcist, uh, my only Friedkin's things I've seen are this and Killer Joe.
2: Yeah. Well, and you know, I, I, he did the original Boys in the Band, too, which I'm really, like, I would love to see that movie, too.
0: Yeah, still haven't seen that. So, what's your relationship to Bug? I know I kind of drafted you into this, so it wasn't yeah. a, uh, I'm going to pick this from a list, but what made you agree to do this? Well,
2: um, I... I so in full disclosure i have only seen bug once before this and it was when it was in theaters in may of 2007 and i was working at the movie theater when it happened so i had seen this trailer a bunch and of course we'll talk about it but you know that trailer <laughs> <Yes>. really <laughs> miss miss sells this movie uh for what it is um uh i went on a date as i i had uh been out for about a year or two and so i was on a date with one of my boyfriends at the time oh, both romantic. Of us, we were both high school theater kids and so we uh, we are. It was the end of our senior year and we loved it. But this is the first and only time I have been in a movie theater where when the movie ended, like when the credits started rolling, people started booing the screen and throwing popcorn at the the screen. Um, Oh my gosh. And I get why. I mean, you know, you're sold a movie about killer bugs and you get a movie about two uh, people with shared delusions and I get it. But I just I remember loving and finding it so effective, but I never wanted to revisit it because it's. It's not the happiest movie to watch, and it's a real bummer. Um, so I, I, I kind of just wanted to jump at the chance to talk about it and revisit it again for the first time in 16 years. Whoa. Nice.
1: Jesus. 16 years. That hurts a little bit. I know, right? <laughs> it does. I don't like to think
0: about it.
2: <laughs>
1: I, I saw this freshman year of high school. So, <laughs> um, And I, for me, I actually, I saw it when it, like, the I believe it was opening weekend for it. Um, and it was a, I did a double bill with my best friend at the time. We went and saw 28 weeks later and (laughs) then bug. And after like 28 weeks later, it just has like, it's so much fun. There's so much kinetic energy. It's just so much fun. This has a lot of frenetic energy and it's very different than what we were thought we were walking into. And I just remember, I remember thinking that Ashley Judd was fantastic but I thought Michael, Sh- like, and this is just my stupid freshman self. I thought yes. Michael Shannon was overacting. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, like, now I watch it now, or watching it now, I was like, oh, he's not. We're good.
2: <laughs> but I mean, he's I to- playing a paranoid schizophrenic and it, it, it's yes. interesting you know i mean yeah like I, i'm 34 years old now and even watching i mean this to me is ashley judd's movie like she is oh 100 if there is one reason to watch this movie it is her performance but
3: mm-hmm.
2: rewatching, i was like yeah shannon's not really a slouch either though because once he starts to really let loose like with his uh paranoid ramblings it's it's kind of you can't take your eyes off the screen mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. and i just
2: I remember liking Ashley Judd. I thought
1: she was, she was fantastic. She, when we walked out, I was like, she was good. I just, I did not like that movie. I was, I was like, it is, and this is also me being a, you know, stupid freshman. And
2: <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> but he, I was he, like, it, it's, okay, it's okay to not like this movie. But again, whenever I ask people about this and they say they hate it, I'm always kind of like, well, why don't you like it? Because... If the answer is, I thought I was going to get a killer bug movie that's not what I got, that's not a reason to dislike this movie. Right. What about what, like, what it is, don't you like? Um, and so that's why I'm also kind of excited to talk about it to see if your opinion has changed and how it has changed uh, since 2007.
0: Yeah, he has not told me anything about what he thought of at this time, and I'm <laughs> dying to find out.
1: Yeah. yeah, I usually give Clayton little, little tidbits. <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> tidbits this enough. time.
0: I watched this one of my watches with one of my friends that hadn't seen it and sometimes we'll just throw on things like climax and stuff so i'm like he'll be able to handle this it's fine told him nothing about it i was just like we're doing this for the podcast i gotta watch it and we watched it together and then I was like, okay now that it's done let's watch the trailer for it i want you to see how this movie <laughs> now that you've seen it was marketed and he watched it and was like wow uh that's not the movie that it is but i don't think i would have been mad about it if i went yeah. expecting that and then got this
2: well, that, that, that's higher evol- evolved thinking, because most people, when they go see a movie, they want it to be exactly like the movie that, that they were advertised. And um, I don't know what Lionsgate was doing. I mean, this is 2007. Like, they're knee-deep in the Saw franchise by this point. So, uh, and, you know, Freakin' doesn't consider this a horror movie. I mean he considers it a black comedy which i don't really see that
0: part of it at all yeah, <laughs> but killer joe yes not bad. Yeah,
2: yes killer joe i think is a comedy but yeah for sure uh but it's just like a thing i'm like maybe they were like oh like wh- horror is really like doing well for us right now and truthfully i actually would call this a horror movie it's it's horrifying
0: yeah i was thinking about that i'm like what would i even classify this like a horror or a drama
2: Yeah, and well, it's based on a play, too, so you're kind of, like, you're you're working off of that, but, um, I mean, yeah, I, I find this movie very upsetting, uh, and... So upsetting. Yeah, so... I don't know. I just um, I, I I hope that people that did see this. I mean, well, that's the thing you have to think about too, right? Because a bu- a bunch of people that went to go see this probably went to go see it for Ashley Judd and or Harry Connick Jr., which means you're getting a mm-hmm. lot of middle aged white women going to see this movie. <laughs> I can only imagine. Accurate. I mean, the F Cinema score speaks for itself.
1: Yeah, yeah. We were the that's only a, two in the theater. It's not a big list. <laughs> we were the only two in the theater when I went and saw it. And I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> yeah, and it was. Uh, I I really do think a lot of it might be the the, just. I was expecting a killer bug movie, and I think now that I look back on it, I'm like, oh, just just the fun of twenty eight weeks later. Also, I think like. Oh yeah, into some this. movies just aren't because meant to this be double movie, features. Yeah, so this is not a double feature. <laughs> like, you, if I were to do that, I would have had to watch this first, and then yeah. I think I would have liked. I think
0: I think this and the Ruins more. would play quite well together, though.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. I the only difference is that the Ruins actually like their paranoia is real.
0: <laughs> yeah, I just <laughs> right. think they would pair well.
2: Yeah, for sure, absolutely.
0: So, would you guys recommend it?
2: Oh hell yeah! This is a five star film for me.
0: Oh, I, know, I know. Same.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: um, I will keep you guys in suspense and tell you at the end what I think. But I would recommend this. I absolutely would. I think it's a very, very effective. I, I'm going to call it a thriller. I'm, so I'm going to call it a thriller.
2: <laughs> I mean, look, we can call it a genre film because it is. Yeah. It, it has thriller, <laughs> psychological thriller, psychological drama, horror, suspense, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah. <laughs>
0: so. Uh, before we get into this, we just have to shout out. We were talking about this off mic a little bit, but this is going to be really fun for us because 100% we would not be podcasting if it was not for Horror Queers. That was the first podcast I had ever listened to. I thought podcasts wow. were dumb as shit before that. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I made
1: you listen to it. So you that's did. Even the best part is because you got, you like, got me in with an like... episode
0: on the ruins. And now we've talked to Carter Smith about the ruins. We're talking to you guys now. Real full circle moment. i'm saying joe is here in spirit because he should
2: oh yes i have to apologize for joe because he is in the midst of fantasia right now uh the film festival and he he is swamped with screenings and film reviews
0: but he will be here for a later episode so it's fine Mm -hmm. (laughs) so are you guys ready to get into this nasty little movie yeah all right sure so this is directed by william Friedkin, famed director of Things such as The French Connection, The Exorcist, Killer Joe, which if you haven't heard an episode on Killer Joe, go listen to it. It's great. Written by Tracy Letts, You know, good old Carrie Coon's husband. It's all he's Mm -hmm. famous for. Um, Based on his 1996 play of the same name, he also wrote Killer Joe, August Sage County. He's acted in Lady Bird, Little Women, good old Greta Gerwig staple.
2: Um, and he's a pulitzer prize winner for he august is Osage a County. Pulitzer.
0: uh august we're covering that next summer uh fun fact anybody <laughs> Have listening? y'all seen it i have i don't think sean has but i, I have, have
2: not <laughs> man okay honestly birds of a feather if you want to talk movies that were also mismarketed um you watch that trailer for that movie and tell me it doesn't look like the feel-good Family Stone event of the summer.
0: Oh, my God. Is that how it was marketed? <laughs>
2: oh, yeah. It was marketed like that. Because, again, the cast, Meryl Streep, yeah. Julia Roberts, a bunch of middle-aged white women are going to go see this movie. And it's like, surprise, incest. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> I went into that just because I like Tracy Letts plays. And I was like, I haven't seen that one. And so I went into it completely cold. and that's good. Uh, Yeah. I prefer to go into movies cold if possible. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, if I had seen a trailer that was <laughs> – I'm so excited. I'm going to have to watch that when we're finished recording. <laughs> just look like up the trailer the, the for August The song they H used County. was, like,
2: one of those, like, top 40 songs that was playing on the radio. the like, thought that whole year the movie came out, and I was just like, oh, this t- does not fit the tone of this movie at all. <laughs> It's See, so I dark. have not...
1: I don't remember seeing a trailer, and I've never seen it, so I'm I'm trying to stay blind.
2: <laughs> it's, it's, I'm sorry, I know we're talking about Bud, but really quick, I will say, so in the, in the lead-up to that movie, I did buy um, the screen... Uh, the, not the screenplay, but um, the script for the play because they released it as, like, a book form. Because mm-hmm. I was curious because the play is a three-hour play, but the movie was just over two hours, so I was like, huh. I wonder what they're going to cut out of this. And they don't cut anything. The script is almost exactly the same. It's just tighter it's like it's edited tighter and There's like fewer like beats between lines and so i like the movie but i would love to see it on stage because again you're like oh it's the same script but somehow it's an hour shorter <laughs> in movie form
0: that's crazy because you would think it would be the other direction
2: yeah you would think that
0: <laughs> it's so weird i have noticed i don't know about this but our guest for killer joe read the script for that and it's very 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 close so if that's about the exact same, I would bet that this one, pretty damn close to the script for Bug.
2: Well, because Tracy Letts wrote both this obviously the plays for Killer mm-hmm. Joe and Bug, but he also wrote the screenplays too. Um, oh, and actually,
0: I think he wrote the screenplay for all three of them.
2: Yeah, so you know it would it would make sense to me that, they, that he would keep it as, as similar as possible. And also, mm-hmm. I mean, if you're gonna have someone adapting a play, their own play for the screen, uh, why not have yeah have the writer of the play.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm so excited for next summer for that. He just writes mm-hmm. really good, sweaty, nasty stories, and I love it.
2: Yeah, he's really good at writing fucked up people.
0: Yeah, best type of people to have stories about. <laughs> the cinematography for this film was done by Michael Grady, who did work on The Leftovers, and was edited by Darren Navarro, who went on to edit Killer Joe as well. Mm. And I think the editing is very strong for both of them. Bug debuted at the 2006 Cannes Film Festival. And then was released the following year in May of 2007, where you both saw it. It received mixed to positive reviews. And Roger Ebert had some interesting things to say about it that I will probably mention in a little bit. Friedkin contacted Tracy Letts after having seen the play, and they cooperated on a screen adaptation. Friedkin described the film as the most intense piece of work I've ever done. Michael Shannon had played the part on stage. Lionsgate, however, wanted to cast an actor with more name recognition, but Friedkin was determined to have Shannon perform in the film, saying he brought a unique quality to, to the part. Uh, a unique quality. That's a good way to describe Michael Shannon, I think.
1: <laughs> but it's, it is is true. Like, this was my introduction to Michael Shannon. And I remember thinking, like I said, I thought he was overacting when I was *Shocker*, And then I saw Take Shelter, and I was like, oh, he's really good like he's he is a great actor and so like when we scheduled this which i saw take shelter multiple years ago mm. um but it would like when we were finally scheduling this and clayton was like oh i want to do bug we're doing bug <laughs> i was like okay i was like i really want to re-examine his performance and i it is much better than i remember <laughs> <laughs> i think the best
0: michael shannon role is in revolutionary road and I will die on that hill.
2: Oh God, talk about depressing movies. That's also a movie. Oh my God, that was marketed. It wasn't marketed as like a happy movie, but people went to it because they were like the marketing was kind of banking on the re- the reunion of Leo the and Kate of from Titanic. Kate and Leo, and it's like <laughs> no, this movie
0: is about a couple getting a divorce.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's about the destruction it's of, it's the of the movie. happy version of that
0: story. Yes. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I like those depressing movies. Clearly, that was another one of my picks. Thank
2: well, you. actually, Sean, fun double feature for you. So uh, that was – that was I was a sophomore in college, maybe junior in college when that came out. Um, and we double featured it with My Bloody Valentine 3D. And I, I had read the book Revolutionary Road because at that time. I was like, no, if a movie's book. coming out, it's based on a uh, – if a movie's coming out, it's based on a book. I'm going to read it first. And so I knew what I was getting into with Revolutionary Road. And so I told my friends, I was like, look, y'all, we should do Revolutionary Road first. <laughs> <laughs>
1: See, that I sometimes you really have to know which one is going to be first for your double features. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that is like, a great
0: I, double feature. I saw Revolutionary Road in theaters, but not at the same day as My Bloody Valentine. I watched that on Valentine's Day, but uh, that would have been a wonderful double feature.
2: I mean, as both of you know, Revolutionary Road is depressing as fuck. Probably one of the most depressing movies I've ever seen in my entire life. So. Oh yeah,
0: it's great. Um,
2: <laughs> yeah, My Bloody Valentine was a really good palate cleanser for that.
0: Oh, for sure. Did you see it in 3D?
2: Oh yeah, uh, yeah of course. <laughs> of
0: course. <laughs> uh, the boobies. Mm-hmm. I
1: was going to say, I think my last double feature was, at, not not to go off too much our track, but my last double feature was I had a multiverse day, and it was when Doctor Strange had just come out. So I did Doctor Strange and, then, and the Multiverse of Madness, and then I watched everything everywhere all at once. And that was... Oh. My my brain hurt by the end of the day, but it was a really fun I did a, a really triple feature time. that
0: day. I saw Everything Everywhere, The Northman, and The Lost City with Sandy Bullock. I saw all yeah. three of those the same day.
2: Um, That's interesting that you're doing Everything Everywhere with Multiverse of Madness, because I would actually say that Everything Everywhere has more of a multiverse of madness than Doctor Strange and the Multiverse yeah, of absolutely. Madness. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. For sure.
1: I'm definitely glad I did everything everywhere last because I enjoyed that was my top film of, the year that year yeah and so like it was just and Multiverse madness was okay but it was just strictly okay <laughs> <laughs> and, like and every, like i was by i cried like three times like everything everywhere all at once and i you still cry every time, time you I watch it. everything every i all know it once, i know it's just it touches something in me okay like <laughs> the, the cold dead spot that i thought where my heart is it sometimes it'll just feel a little bit of warmth all right give me give me give me a break
0: so uh, back to Bug. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, from Sean crying inside. <laughs> on everything, ever at once, during the shoot for this, appropriately, many of the crew members got rashes from bed bugs in their hotel room. Gross. I know. Ooh. So horrifying.
2: <laughs> I really? do want to say, as someone who's had bed bugs before, though, it is not a testament to a person's cleanliness. Anyone can get bed Agreed. bugs. Agreed. Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. I've never had them myself, but they were in my apartment building and got uh, they got rid of them before it got down to our apartment, but I lived in fear for ages and one of my friends has had them before. It's yeah, they just happen. They're bad. Yeah. A yeah. horrifying fear. This film was shot in July and August of 2005 in Southern Louisiana, wrapping up only a week before Hurricane Katrina hit the area. The cast and crew narrowly escaped the disaster by only a few days. Wow! This I thought was horrifying, and in a completely different way. Friedkin never took more than four takes to get a scene in this movie, and in fact worked so fast the actors sometimes had to beg him to do a second take when they thought they nailed it the first time.
2: Interesting. Do Do you know if they did a lot of rehearsals for this movie?
0: I don't, I wasn't able to find anything out about that, mm-hmm. but I would think they would have had to this. I mean, you
2: know, it depends I, because t- to me, you know, I'm coming from a theater world. Like I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. you rehearse. Like that's what people do. But apparently like some directors do not like to rehearse their films. But mm-hmm. given that this is coming from a play, I wonder if, I wonder if Reed can use any of the blocking from the play when he was planning out the blocking for the film.
0: Yeah, and with it being in such small, confined fi- spaces, you feel like there would have to kind of be rehearsal. so, like, they would have the movement right and not just... Right. I feel like that would almost be harder to block than if you had a big area to do without extensive rehearsal.
2: Yeah, I mean, again, you're watching some of this stuff in the last 20 minutes of this movie, and you're like, oh, my God, like, they are just running around this foil-covered apartment. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh, oh,
1: my God. And it's just... Uh, just to know that you're getting to the spot but it's also a director like having an innate trust in his cast too i love i love that like at least when it, just to know that like oh you don't need to do it again i got it on the first take like that's also like really trusting a himself and b his actors so yeah. much yeah. like because you're just like well and, and you see how many times well you know how many how many times a kubrick how many takes did kubrick do Shelley
2: Duvall. Poor Shelley Duvall. like was like a madman with, yeah. with that. You know, we're going to take 200 takes of this until we get it right. Whereas Freakin's like, nope, first one's the best.
3: <laughs>
0: yep. <laughs> Did not really land with audiences. It was one of two films that received an F Cinema score that year, along with the Wicker Man remake with Nicolas Cage, that I have not seen. I have heard it is quite bad and earns that F Cinema score proudly.
2: <laughs> um... You know, this may be contentious. I mean, I don't think The Wicker Man's a good movie. It is very much an unintentional comedy. Um, It's not the biggest travesty you've ever seen, but if you see the original, look, is it unintentionally hilarious? Yes, absolutely. Is Nicolas Cage doing the most? Yes. But I don't know. I think there are parts that I like, and I do think that Neil, because it, it's directed by Neil Labute, who is um, also comes from the world of plays and does a lot of like smaller scale films. So it's it's a bit, a bit out of his wheelhouse, but I think it's an it's an interesting failure.
1: Yeah, it. I mean, if you compare it to the original, you have, of of course it is going to. Like completely pale in comparison. Oh yeah, but I do have fun with it. Like mm-hmm. I, I remember I, I didn't see it in theaters, but I did wait until it came out on DVD, and I think I read, I got it from the library.
2: <laughs> yeah. So and if I'm I having was... a bad day
0: and I just want to watch something dumb, I can throw on The Wicker Man and not feel like I wasted two hours.
2: Um, I mean, you might still feel like you wasted two hours, but yeah, it's... but it's a time waster. It's, it's... like. I feel like that is the movie too that first started the whole like but not the downgrade of Nicolas Cage's career where people were like, "Oh, it's Nicolas Cage, I mean it's going to be bad." Was because of his performance in The Wicker Man. And it's yeah, it's it's just something you have to see to believe, but like do I think it's like one of the worst movies I've ever seen? No.
0: Not the Cabin Fever remake, got it.
2: <laughs> That's
0: I don't even count that as a movie.
2: That, <laughs> talking about using the same scripts, Jesus Christ. That is legitimately
1: like my most the, hated just our movie. thing for like the
0: and worst is, movie ever <laughs> i just I, I i
1: that is one movie i just ne- i cannot get behind i will never get well
2: w- would you hate it as much if the original didn't exist yes i think so yes okay i, I think a lot of it doesn't work i love I a mean
0: it, movie but that movie is like cruel and not in a fun way
2: but do you like the original film
0: i d- yes. i do yes okay But I feel like I would still not like it, even if I hadn't seen the other version of it.
1: Hmm. But I feel like a lot of the comedy that they play, like, a lot of it is supposed to be comedy. It's, like, it's supposed to be a comedy horror. Like, I don't think they were wanting to do... Like, it's not like they took it the Evil Dead route where it's just unintentionally funny. The original Cabin Fever, it's very much... There are moments of comedy in that movie. Yeah. And I think the new one, it tries to play them for comedy, but they don't work. And it's just... It, yeah, I don't I don't know. It's just the movie doesn't work for me. I think that I think it's too,
2: it's too close. You yeah, know, I, 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 I was just curious. Um, Yeah, that 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 movie is self-serious when it shouldn't be. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah. Just that when they kill. uh, Oh, my God. What's her name? Karen. Yeah. When they kill the Karen character in the new one, is just that's when that movie completely lost me.
2: <laughs> I'm all
0: for remakes and seeing a different take on something. You know, it doesn't take away from the original, but that one was just, oh, I had a hard time finishing it. Yeah. (laughs) Bug's entire script was shot in chronological order, and according to Harry Connick Jr., Friedkin would not say action, start. He preferred letting them just begin when they felt ready. Huh. So, uh, I feel like they would have had to have rehearsed. I don't know. But that would have made it easier for filming. I mean, getting to do something chronologically for a movie that's rare, so
2: yeah yeah i i wonder too if it's just like a thing where it's like against so, so the performances in this film and again specifically judd and shannon are so raw that i wonder if he was afraid that if we if he did it like too many times or rehearsed it too much that it would feel rehearsed it would feel too mm. clean in a way that because that the, these performances are very are very much meant to be messy and big and so i wonder if who's hoping to avoid that kind of a scenario
0: yeah because i would think that would have with the places they have to go in this you would either just be completely worn out and not be able to do it, or it would just start feeling rehearsed. Yeah. But I feel like they would have had to have done some rehearsal. Maybe not for, for, the final part's for, God. I'm, <laughs> I was like, I'm just
2: imagining the the, the super mother bug monologue, like doing it over and over <laughs> and over oh and God. over again in rehearsals.
0: <laughs> yeah. So uh, this, I think, is really weird. Jodie Foster apparently was considered for the Ashley Judd role. And I feel like she has such a strong thing to her that it wouldn't have worked at all
2: i i actually do think it would have worked because foster is an exceptional actress however I she think is part of the reason i'm so into this film is because i mean look this is like right after actually did it stop doing her like you know her 90s thrillers i think she just had her biggest like flop of that genre with um 2004's twisted and mm-hmm. So, but that being said, though, she wasn't really known for horror films, and of course, we can debate the the genre of this film to the cows come home. But this is not a movie I would or a role I would have expected to see Ashley Judd do, and I almost like the film more because I I'm wrestling in my brain with my image of an Ashley Judd role, which is not this. <laughs> yeah, like
1: my uh, like I have not seen um, I the. Clayton's gonna kill me for this, but I have. You say you haven't
0: seen Double Jeopardy? I'm gonna scream. I have
1: not seen Double Jeopardy. (laughs) Oh my god! So like, but that's the way. That's what I know her from. Was like all of those like late '90s, early 2000s like thrillers, and she. So you're right. She is playing almost extremely against type, and you're right. I think it does make this movie even stronger for it. Because that's who I would—that's who I see in my head when I think of Ashley Jed.
2: Well, because it's like sure. uh, again, like we got, you know, yes, we've got Double Jeopardy, we've got Kiss the Girls, we've got uh, High Crimes, Twisted. But then on the flip side, you've got these kind of like schmaltzy. Where the um, heart
0: is, and... yeah,
2: where the heart is. Uh, Someone like you, which is horrible. Uh, Divine Secrets of the Yaga Sisterhood. Uh, D. Lovely. So like she's doing, she's doing different genres. But again, nothing, no roles that require as much from her as this role does.
0: Uh, to be fair i haven't seen a lot of roles in general that require this
2: yeah that's true <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: this is a bravura performance and it's very it is very good
0: in an interview michael shannon deadpanned i've always thought the bug was a love story it's a love story between two intensely damaged individuals but it's not called love story it's called bug so it probably so it's probably about some other things too namely bugs <laughs> so michael shannon so michael shannon of him mm-hmm. is this a love story would you would you say that
2: I I would, yeah. I mean, that's not how I would tell people. Like, if I'm saying, oh, yeah, watch Bug, I would say it's about (laughs) two people. It's a love story. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's about a paranoid schizophrenic who meets another, like, really depressed woman and turns her into a paranoid schizophrenic, I guess. And uh, that's what it's about. I would never say it's a love story unless it was to someone that has already seen the film and we're, like, this, discussing it.
0: Mm. The last little thing I have before I get into this director william friedkin claimed in an interview the film was about the widespread infection of paranoia everyone has especially fears of terrorism he argued that in a way peter is someone who could become a terrorist the mentally unstable loner out in the middle of nowhere and accurate
2: yeah it's an interesting time for horror films right Mm -hmm. because we're also in the middle of the torture porn era by this point. Um, I think, like, what, the 2000s, I characterized them with torture porn, uh, remakes, and J-horror. Um, yep. And so torture porn was very much a reaction to, like, the post-9-11, like, fears and things like that. Absolutely. So, but you didn't often see a lot of them, like, directly engaging with, uh, like, political debates or politics in general. Um, although I do think the remake of The Hills Habias does a very good job of doing that. Um, it does. Yeah. But uh, but then you have this film, which is like, oh, no, like we're we're blaming the government here. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) So I want to read some snippets from Ebert's review, because it's one of those reviews I just find fascinating. And he can put things in a way that other people can't sometimes. William Friedkid's latest film, Bug, (laughs) begins as an ominous rumble of unease and builds to a shriek. The last 20 minutes are searingly intense. A paranoid personality finds its mate, and they race each other into madness. For Friedkin, director of The Exorcist, it's a work of headlong passion. Its stars, Ashley Judd and Michael Shannon, achieve a kind of manic intensity that's frightening. Not just in itself, but because you almost fear for the actors. They're working without a net. Ashley Judd's final monologue is a sustained cry of non-stop breathless panic, twisted logic, and sudden frantic insight that is a kind of behavior very rarely risked in or out of the movies, it may not be Shakespeare, but it's not any easier. Shannon, a member of a Red Orchid Theater in Chicago, delivers his own non-stop rapid-fire monologue of madness. He has a frightening speech that scares the audience but makes perfect sense to Agnes. The film is lean, direct, unrelenting. A lot of it takes place in the motel room, which by the end has been turned into an eerie cave lined with aluminum foil, a sort of psychic air raid shelter against government emissions or who knows what else. They're watching us, Peter says. The thing about Bug is that we're not scared for ourselves so much as for the characters in the movie. Judd and Shannon bravely cast all restraint aside and allow themselves to be seen as raw, terrified, and mad. The core of the film involves how quickly Judd's character falls into sympathy with Shannon's. She seems like a potential paranoid primed to be activated, and yet her transformation never seems hurried and is always convincing. For the cast in this movie, we've got, as we mentioned, Ashley Judd playing the character of Agnes. Michael Shannon plays Peter Evans. Harry Connick Jr. plays Agnes' ex, Jerry. You might recognize him from Hope Float, Copycat, Independence Day, or the 50 million other things he was in back in the day when they cast (laughs) Harry Connick Jr. in absolutely everything. (laughs) Lynn Collins playing the lesbian friend, R.C., who is basically playing her character from True Blood, Dawn. I was (laughs) going to (laughs) say, It's like the one thing that I know her from.
2: That and like the Wolverine (laughs) movies. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yep, that's
0: what I know. I didn't even remember. I saw that she was in those, but I'm like, I don't even remember who she was in them. But see, and
2: I remember that because when I I was watching True Blood, which actually True Blood would have premiered about three months after this movie came out, yeah. Um, But I remember being like, oh, that's that girl from Bug. And, and I remember dies. always really liking her. <laughs> I, I, I think she has three episodes before she dies. But yes, yeah, she
0: dies very quickly. But I feel like I've seen the first season of True Blood so many times mm-hmm. from just watching it with random people that she feels like a much bigger character than she was.
2: Yeah, I know for sure.
0: Name like one of whoever's half fairy daughters from a later season. And I would have no idea, no idea who you're talking about. But say like, Dawn are and are you True Blood. About and like, I don't know who that is. <laughs> sure Adeline? sure sean i don't remember the one who
1: survives <laughs> i just remember because yes. i thought that name was pretty <laughs> uh, she was annoying but pretty she was the name was pretty <laughs> Yeah.
0: and our last character that has not really been in anything that i could find of recognition is brian f o'burn playing the ill-fated dr sweet but he's Trace, nominated for an emmy award
1: for mildred pierce
0: well,
2: I I was looking up to, like, where I had seen him from, and he's just one of those guys, he pops up a, a, in a role probably about the size of his in this film.
0: Because I thought he looked familiar, lot. but I couldn't place him in anything.
2: He was yeah, in I mean, like, I, I've seen... I,
0: I the couldn't... HBO miniseries with Kate Winslet? Yes.
2: Yes, not, not the Joan Crawford movie. <laughs> I, I assumed, <laughs>
0: yeah. I just, I didn't, that's one of those things that I feel like has had several adaptations, so... <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah, but no, I mean like I, I've seen him in Million Dollar Baby Could I tell you what he was in that movie? No, I couldn't tell you But no, I, I, I think he does a lot of TV So honestly, I feel like I've seen him in a lot of TV shows
0: He has one of those faces I was just like, he looks familiar But I can't place any of these characters I did watch Mildred Pierce, but it's been a minute I just remember Well Evan he's Ridgeland's nominated for an Emmy for it Horrible Yeah Veda Pierce <laughs> is the worst <laughs> <laughs> So, you guys ready to get into the plot of this cheerful, cheerful movie?
1: Yes. Yeah, let's crawl inside. <laughs> mm, yeah.
0: So, it starts out, and we hear the phone ringing. Do we think it is actually ringing?
2: <sighs> I do. Ooh, that's a great question. <laughs> um, I'm going to say yes. However, I am completely open to the idea that it is not ringing.
1: Right. Um, for me, I I was I when you, I read that question, I was trying to think of it from both sides, and I absolutely do think that it's too much of a coincidence for Goss to be out at the same time, and then her phone starts ringing. So it just feels a little bit too contrived for that for like her to be like tortured with her phone ringing and like her ex is out on bail. <laughs>
2: I, I, I mean, I think it, it. It if it's not real, it does help plant the seeds to make her transition from. Well, I was gonna even say mostly stable woman because she's never stable at any point in this movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, when we meet her, she's drinking already, uh, going to work. She spends the night doing cocaine, like whatever. And so, I I don't even buy her transition into like full blown paranoid person that unbelievable in this film. However, mm-hmm. if if knowing that you're starting the film with her hallucinating these phone rings makes it easier for you to make that transition. Go with it. Right.
1: I just always think Michael Shannon does answer one later. So like he, and like, I, I, I don't feel like their delusion has like completely started yet. So for me, it, it does feel like there's a little bit like you're kind of at the point where I I think this is Jerry in some ways. Like I think Jerry is absolutely trying to just like fuck with her. Because, like, he can't.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I have no idea. I I could see it either way. I go go back and forth. Every time I watch it, I wonder.
2: The fact of the matter is, it's like, because we have, and we'll talk about them, because we have these helicopter, like, sound effects and lights later in the film, which very much are just in their heads, Mm -hmm. if we didn't have those scenes, I would say no, the phone is actually ringing. But because we do have those scenes, it's never 100% clear when what we are seeing or hearing... Is real or in their heads? Absolutely.
0: Yeah, for sure. So, is this one of the sweatiest movies ever, or is this one of the sweatiest movies ever made? <laughs> it's it really sweaty. Is.
2: <laughs> <laughs> It's like this and the remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh my god, oh, that's so yes. sweaty too. <laughs> mm-hmm. They got vaseline spread over their eyes.
1: It's one of the reasons I always, like, for me, I always feel like Tracy Letts is kind of an updated version of, like, Tennessee Williams, because Mm -hmm. I always feel like Tennessee Williams plays are always, like, kind of gritty and very sweaty and, you know, like, cat on a hot tin roof and a streetcar named Desire, and I just feel like he's very much an updated version of Tennessee Williams. It's yeah. how I've always seen no. it. <laughs> well,
2: uh, honestly, you you hold on to that when you watch August Osage County. <laughs> <laughs> I know you said it, and I
1: was just like, "Oh, he really is. It's really <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in more ways than one." Somebody had to take
2: up the mantle.
0: <laughs> what do you guys think of the character of Agnes, just in general?
2: She's devastating man. I I feel so bad for this woman and I, I can see audiences being like oh I want to know what happened to the kid. Like what, what, what happened to the kid? It's like that's not really the point of the movie. Um, I think she's a very frustrating character but she's also a very understandable one.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: She's just she's tragic. She's she's absolutely a woman who is broken and I think it's beyond repair. Oh, yeah. And she just it, you know this is just the spark she needed to, to to finally spiral completely out and she's just she's survived she's just living she's not she's not she's just surviving she's not living like she's just moving from day to day and well, yeah, it's just I mean, heartbreaking
2: there is a part late in the film where she says you know i stopped looking for him a couple years ago and i think that's really the moment when she died like when she gave up on life completely and again like that's where it's like it makes her switch into buying into michael shannon's bullshit all the more believable because it, well he says it. he's like i, I think you're lonely you, she is such a lonely person and yes she has this friend rc but like she's living in this fucking like cheap-ass motel mm-hmm. every day for god knows how long she's been there
0: i mean at least two years because her ex knew where to find her
2: mm-hmm mm-hmm
0: I feel like you're not supposed to stay in those places more than.
1: Well, some of them rent by.
0: I know, but that's always supposed. To... I feel life. like that's like a temporary, a thing.
2: Well, I'm yeah, sure. I mean, you're not. It's. I don't think it's something you're not supposed to, because technically, if you have the money, you can stay there for as long as you want. Um, <laughs> right. But yeah, it's. It, but that's a that's a character trait right there, right? Like, sh- living in a motel should quote unquote be a temporary thing. So why is she still staying here? Why doesn't she rent an apartment? What is the answer to that question?
0: And she even says she's got a sister out in San Diego and everything, but instead she's living out in the middle of nowhere,
2: and working she's at also this bar. Very depressed. Yeah. <laughs> None of it
1: matters. Yeah. Like, now that and now that Lloyd's gone, like she has she has nothing. She doesn't care, and mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things that really that allows her to really buy into Michael Shannon's bullshit is because she finds someone to care about, and very much like finds what she th- feels is a kindred soul and, and their loneliness.
0: Yeah. Uh, I had mentioned watching this with my friend the other day for one of the watches, we finished the movie and turned it off. And before I showed him the marketing for it, he I just said, what did you think? And he looked at me and said, well, we've all had bad relationships.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I feel so bad for Agnes. I also really love when absolutely stunning people look this rough in a movie.
2: Oh yeah, it makes me so happy. It's I feel so It's I feel bad saying this, but it's a very brave performance, and even just a look for her.
0: Yeah, and it's almost like I don't think that's what Ashley Judd like looks like without makeup or something. I I think they did things to it. Almost reminded me of like what they did to Charlize <laughs> in Monster. Like it doesn't even seem entirely like her. I feel like I've seen well, Ashley Judd photographed and stuff, you know, without makeup. But yeah, it's a very naked performance uh, literally and figuratively
2: yeah she's not unrecognizable like charlie's Theron is in monster but yeah i i could totally see it like they're on that same like playing field
0: yeah when this movie plays so sean what did you think on this i know you saw it in the theater and then again for this on your re did the her seeing the onion in the cart did you remember enough about it to realize what that was in context to when you were watching it the first time
1: no no or is
0: that something that just you picked up on the uh, are you
1: saying yeah um I mean when she mentions it I mean of course I picked uh, I did pick it up the first time I watched it but I was wondering what it was about like and I'm one of those people where I'm all like oh they're they they're giving us a close-up of an onion like that's gonna have to that's gonna have something to do with this story later <laughs> because I, I like to put my context clues together and so, very good so Sean. Yeah, yes <laughs> you get a so cookie. yes I did I did think that the, it was going to call back to that at some point um, just because it felt it didn't feel this movie does not feel art house enough to just show you a picture of an onion and a heart <laughs> and then never do anything.
2: It's <laughs> just Chekhov's onion. Like put yeah, it in your pocket. It's, just it's gonna come back later. <laughs>
1: She's I mean, just looking at
2: the color purple. Okay. <laughs> we, we, yeah, exactly. We look at an onion and then we look at a gumball machine and we hear a child laughing. Like I, I get, we freaking can hold on to this until later because we will get her full confession to Peter later in the film. But I think this is a really good job of our, of putting you in her headspace without quite bashing you over the head with exposition.
0: Mm-hmm. Is this a lesbian bar or is it just a regular bar?
2: No, it's a lesbian bar. 100%. That's yeah. what I
0: thought, too. Which is kind of awesome because this is out in the middle of fucking nowhere.
2: Okay, so that was my thing. I was like, We're in Oklahoma, middle of nowhere. I get that lesbian bars... I'm sorry, gay bars exist... I feel like even in big cities, lesbian bars are harder to come by. Um, right. So I was really surprised that this lesbian bar was as poppin' as it was. <laughs> like, it's packed. Like, even where I'm from in Austin, like, we uh, any lesbian bar that we had in Austin, Texas, like, would shut down after years because it just, they weren't doing as much business. I don't know if it's because lesbians don't want to go out and congregate as much as gay men do, but it's just really fascinating to me.
0: Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen a lesbian bar. I mean, they
2: exist. They just typically don't last very. long Yeah, I was gonna say there's a way. I was
1: gonna say there. I think there's only less than thirty left in the United States now. Yeah, as of 2022, it says there are the here are the final 27 surviving lesbian bars in the U.S. Jeez. So like,
0: is one of them in Oklahoma?
1: <laughs> I don't know.
0: <laughs>
1: I'm looking it up now.
2: They have I mean, a list. This play
0: was written in '96, so we'll see if it hung around. <laughs>
2: maybe that's the thing maybe they were more popular in the late 90s uh maybe
0: i I don't know well there's that lesbian bar in uh um in the mid 90s in the first wives club but i mean that's in new york city too i think so
2: oh yeah that doesn't count (laughs) (laughs) there's one in oklahoma city (laughs) okay
0: oh okay so there's precedent
2: (laughs) yeah it's called frankie's (laughs) lesbians let us know yes
0: (laughs) So, at this lesbian bar where Ashley Judd is a waitress, we meet her best friend, R.C. Dawn from True Blood, and find out she's dealing with some custody drama at home.
1: Sorry, I was just going to say, I remember the first time I watched this movie, and w- when I saw it in theaters, I was like, oh, if they kill her, I'm going to be so depressed.
2: <laughs> she's not in I... the movie as much as you think she would be, but, you know, she's no. got to deal with la voice. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I just, I really liked her character. She, uh, she just seemed like very genuine to me, like a good friend. She's the only
2: a sane character in the film. (laughs) She's also the only like, like good quote unquote person in the film because I mean, look, we've got a cast of five characters here and it's, I, as agnes and peter like delve further into insanity into madness you you as a viewer are latching on to any semblance of quote-unquote normalcy that you can in this film which makes the scene we'll get later when she does confront agnes the last time we'll see rc in the film it makes it all the more frustrating and sad
0: mm-hmm. yeah for sure her and uh a wonderful name <laughs> dt dubs <laughs> are trying to adopt LaVoice's children, it sounds like, and they're having trouble, Son. and they're like, nobody's going to give kids to a couple of queers. And Ashley Judd gives the wonderful line, probably could have picked someplace better than Oklahoma to be a homo.
2: Oh, I wrote that down. Absolutely.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> we live in Indiana. We feel it. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> we say homo a lot in this movie. Like They
0: do. It cracked me up.
2: I thought it. Yeah, I was like, I never like, I never really said homo, like, I. But maybe in the two thousands, I did. I don't, I don't know. I just thought it was really funny that we keep throwing around homo.
0: So in two thousand ten, I believe it was, I was, I had some college experimentation. I had already been out for a few years, but I dated a girl who was actually on our Killer Joe episode, and I was at her room. I wasn't at Purdue anymore, but I was visiting her. And we had, you know, had a night of lovemaking, as you would say. No one would say that. boo. (laughs) If I could make it any more awkward. And we were getting a little bit of weed. And so my weed guy from Purdue came to meet us. And we very clearly, you know, have sex hair and come outside to get our ganja. And he looked at me and, like, he wasn't somebody I ever interacted with outside of getting weed. Like, didn't know him. And he was like... No offense, but I could have sworn you were a homosexual.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, I've never been called a homosexual. That, is, I, the that
0: is the only time I ever have in my life. And it was the funniest thing. Like, her and I still laugh about it. And, yeah. So, I feel like them saying <laughs> homo is logical for some places. But that's the only time it's happened to me. But it was very funny.
2: And all the other
0: homosexuals.
2: <laughs> Not homosexuals. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. i sworn you were you're, a
0: homosexual. You're...
2: Y'all might have covered this in your Killer Joe episode, so I apologize. This is like not new information for y'all, but did y'all see that Michael Shannon originated the Emil Hirsch role in the play?
0: I didn't notice that. I did. <laughs> oh, that's weird.
2: Because <laughs> it would have been in like the like late nineties, early two thousands, so he was just younger, and I guess he could play uh-huh. the Emil Hirsch role. And I could actually see it.
1: Like he does have, like just even off of this performance, like he like the Emil Hirsch role is so. <laughs> Almost pathetic.
2: <laughs> I, I mean, we, we can call a spade a spade. Michael Shannon looks like a meth head in this movie, and I imagine oh he God, looked like a meth head doing his Killer Joe performance as well.
0: <laughs> God, my weirdest thing of casting of Killer Joe is that Jennifer Lawrence desperately wanted the role of Dottie and couldn't do it, I'm guessing, because of The Hunger Games.
2: Oh, God. That would have been great. I mean, Juno Temple's good in that, but like, yeah. I would have loved to have seen that. Was the, the movie
0: studios. I love Juno Temple and Sean never liked her, and then he watched Killer Joe because he'd never seen that either, and was like, "Oh, I see why you like her."
2: Oh, I, <laughs> I, I not honestly. Like so like, her. I never in a million years thought I would like Ted Lasso because it's about sports, but like, she is the best part of Ted Lasso.
0: Yeah, I haven't seen a ton of it, but what I did see of it, and I did like it. I just I'm so busy, I don't have time to watch a ton of TV, and. Yeah, I really liked her. In it. And also, of course, Hannah Waddington. Is that her name? Wigham. Waddingham. Waddingham. Yeah, yeah. Was wonderful. Mm-hmm. But all the sports stuff, I'm just like smiling nod. I don't know what's happening, but this is funny. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite joke in The White Lotus <laughs> I don't watch Ted Lasso. <laughs> <laughs> and her friend RC tells her she wants her to meet somebody over by the jukebox and then it cuts to a little later and they are partying it up in this motel hotel motel yeah yeah, we'll say motel
2: but uh yeah yeah they just whip out the coke right away and i'm always fascinated by people because like we cut later and it almost looks like rc is sleeping on the floor and i'm like honey you're not sleeping if you're doing that much cocaine in a night yeah also, how late
1: is this? Because they're all. I she's have like, no we're idea of the passage of time at like... any
0: point in this, except I know that when he leaves, <laughs> it's at 10 a.m. in the morning because they say something about it. The rest of it, I'm like, like, I don't know.
1: Does nighttime start at 4 o'clock? And they're well, all like, oh, yeah, we're going to
2: I was thinking, like, okay, it's after RC gets off work. I assume she works there until 2 a.m. when the bar
0: closes. Right. And you usually have to stay a little bit later and.
2: Right, but maybe she got off a little bit earlier Because yeah, we go we go to Agnes's motel room We're drinking, we're smoking, we're coking it up uh, And then, yeah, it feels like this scene lasts forever <laughs> Yeah, it seems us. like they've party, been
0: everybody. there a while And they're talking about going to another party
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. So I'm like, what time is it? <laughs> what year is this?
2: <laughs>
0: Lisa had a, my ex-girlfriend Lisa Had this theory about Killer Joe That it was always 3 a.m. Just everything that takes place, unless it's outside in the daytime, is at 3 a.m.
2: <laughs> I mean, I'll take 3 a.m. over um like whatever dawn, like what whatever time dawn is. That is my least favorite time of day. Like whenever I see like what it looks like outside at dawn, I immediately like my body recoils.
0: Yeah, same it's like oh, it's time to go to bed.
2: Well, the thing is, like if you, if you pulled an all nighter and you're still up at dawn, that's when you're like, oh, I've made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't even know if I could anymore because I'm just like permanently
1: exhausted at this point. So, well, that's I, what
2: the cocaine is for.
1: I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Good I, I would be able to get so much more done. <laughs>
0: yeah. So, Trace, didn't you recently get on a. Uh... I, I can cut this out if you want me to, but didn't That's you fine. just recently get on uh, Adderall or something for ADD, ADHD oh, or something? Yeah.
2: Oh, God, how much time do have for that? Yeah, I was diagnosed with ADHD uh, in, uh, last year, but then I moved to Colorado, and because Adderall is a controlled substance... Um, you, they can't transfer the prescription, so I have to get re diagnosed. Well, I had to get new insurance, and the insurance didn't cover therapy, so I had to wait until the new year to get new insurance. But then once I did that, I had to go to the doctor because I couldn't go to a psychiatrist until my doctor referred me to them. And I just had my first psychiatry appointment last month after being in Denver for a year. So I have been without oh my pills for a year. <laughs>
0: I'm so sorry, Joe. I have self diagnosed Sean and I think he would be unstoppable if he got on medication. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's okay. My husband diagnosed me too. He was like, You should probably go get seen for a psychiatrist for ADHD and I did, and I did. <laughs> I know, I
1: and the sad part is I think Clayton's right. I'm just I don't have insurance right
2: this moment and well, I don't have time. You're in luck because there's an Adderall shortage. Um, also, there is a lot of a I had mentioned people... you to
0: my therapist, Sean. <laughs> I wish you just can. She's like, you know, there's a shortage. Even if you did get diagnosed, you probably wouldn't be able to get any meds.
2: I mean, the first doctor I went to in Denver, she was like, oh, yeah, Adderall is all the rage right now. ADHD diagnoses are all the rage right now. And I'm like, I don't feel like you as a doctor should be saying that, but okay. Right.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: like like what are you the like psych- are you the therapist that just like writes it's... out prescriptions and sorority row like I what are, who are you talking it's... to i mean you know
2: <laughs> it, it is the study drug a lot of kids use it but also yeah i mean a lot of like people who are addicted to cocaine or meth or other uppers of the type like that's another easy e- well i say easy it's not easy way to get like another like some more speed in your system
0: mm. i like sleep too much personally
2: Well, that's with Adderall. It has like a time release, but if for, if you're doing cocaine all night, then no, you're not going to be sleeping.
0: (laughs) No. (laughs) I will say I identify a lot with Agnes when she's pissed off that someone brought a stranger over to her place without warning. I
2: would too. Again, he looks like a meth head. Yeah. I,
0: could you imagine Michael Shannon and you didn't know he was Michael Shannon just showing up at your apartment?
1: <laughs> also, when when they're talking and he comes out of the bathroom and he's just like, I'm not a max murderer. I'm like, so, like, you that's the first thing like I would not that's mention exactly the fact that I heard that conversation. <laughs> like <laughs> I I I was pulled over once. Um weird weird tangent. But like I was driving home from a friend's house, it was like probably one o'clock at night, and just normal we were just hanging out we weren't actually drinking weren't doing anything it was it was like i had to work at like nine the next day and i get get pulled over and the guy's like oh i have to check and make sure you're not an axe murderer and i'm like do i look like one like i and that is what sticks with me whenever anyone says i'm not an axe murderer it's just like apparently a cop thought i was one once i'm thinking (laughs) (laughs) I know, fascinating story. Keep going with the movie.
0: Chainsaw <laughs> under the bed. Um, got my news. A day Williams. He tells Agnes she's very beautiful, and she tells him she doesn't take compliments real well, and same, do not. Her friend Darcy bounces, Peter decides to stay, and when R.C. leaves, they kiss each other on the mouth twice. Why do girls kiss each other so much?
2: I... Do y'all think that maybe Agnes and RC had had a torrid affair before?
0: I kind of wondered that.
2: Yeah, I, I, it's not clear. I mean, yeah, this very much could be just a platonic girlfriend thing. But given the fact that, I mean, we make RC a lesbian for a reason. I feel like so. I, I don't know. I, 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 I could buy into the to that fact or that right. idea.
0: What do you think, Sean? Well, torrid affair, and, and or just also- friend?
1: Well, it, I mean, if it is a torrid affair, it would make what uh, Jerry says later when he's like, "You know, what would happen if I thought you were going queer?" Like, right. That would make that even more that that makes it even scarier because then it's it's an active threat.
0: Then it's a hate crime. Yeah. Not just domestic <laughs> violence.
1: <laughs> so I would yes, I think that I think they have you know done they may have done some stuff.
0: <laughs> I uh, like this reading. Perfect. I really love that Michael Shannon's like, I make people nervous because I pick up on things. And I think he just makes people nervous because.
2: I, the thing is, I, I do find his performance in these moments very disarming. And for someone like Agnes, who is craving human connection but can't get it or chooses not to get it, this is because she's almost like a, a recluse in that motel, except for when she has yeah. to go to work. I, again, I buy into this. Like, he's very disarming, he's very personable, and he doesn't seem... He seems off, but he doesn't seem full-blown insane yet. hmm
0: Yeah. Also, have you guys ever met someone like this? I mean, maybe not that extreme, but...
2: Like what, someone who suffers doing... from, like, delusions? <laughs>
0: uh, maybe not delusions, but just one of those, like, kind of off people, like, conspiracy nets. Just, like, somebody random at a bar that's just like, oh, I don't want to get stuck in conversation with them because they're going to...
2: Well, I mean, that's honestly, again, going in, not to go back to the end again, but as we get mentions of the Unabomber and like uh, the Oklahoma bomber guy, I'm like, oh, he's basically what QAnon people are.
0: Oh my God, he is. (laughs) Michael Shannon is seated for the sound of freedom every show. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyway. I like that reading. <laughs> <laughs> he tells her he perceives that she is lonely, ding, 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 and he'd like to see her again. And she says, A oh, man's the last thing she needs, and she should have really stuck to that. Ugh. Again, no. we get the homo drop. She asks if he's a homo because he doesn't. Have sex apparently.
2: Well, that's yeah. He says I'm not anything really. I'm done with that. I'm just looking for a friend, and I'm like, okay, uh huh.
1: <laughs> that, that, I mean, he that they that definitely line. become more than friends. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> they it do. them to fuck, Like I'm just saying. <laughs> well, I think it's just his. Like, I think this is the moment where he, like, really. I think you're right he disarms her with all of this Mm -hmm. where she's very much just like, this is a, this is another person who's lonely. And like, maybe I, maybe we could be friends. Maybe we can do something. And I mean, we're all from Beaver, aren't we? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That
0: line makes me laugh so much. And I love that it goes over his head.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's supposed to show like his innocence in some ways. Like he, he doesn't get the joke because he doesn't, you know, (laughs) refer to, he doesn't refer to Pussy as Beaver. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, t- I'm, I'm just saying, saying that was I read it. Some fun thing. What does he say, Killer Joe? Like her Beaver is puckered up, ready to give me a kiss. <laughs> 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 uh, Michael Shannon has never been so perfectly cast as in this. Uh, then they hear a cricket. That is not a cricket and actually is a smoke alarm. And I think that's so weird because those two things do not sound at all alike, and it should not have taken them so long to figure out where that was coming from. But that's just my two cents. <laughs>
1: You're really gonna shame them on not knowing
0: that a dying battery. Damn, dying smoke alarms are so loud; it's like instantly that's coming. Yeah, the the new
1: ones. Do you think that's a new smoke alarm? Well, no, it's going dead. It was made from like 1961. Like it probably had the same batteries.
0: (laughs) Agnes decides to let him stay the night, and even if I found him disarming, I don't know if. I was a woman if I would just let some random man spend the night that wasn't a hookup.
2: Okay, I'm sorry. So what you're saying is to let a random man spend the night in your place, you would exchange sex for it. (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) Sadly, I think that is exactly what Clayton did. It's okay as long
2: as as we fuck. But if we don't fuck, sorry, you're on your ass. Like, oh, you're not staying on the couch. You have to stay in bed with me. (laughs) Well, if they're in
0: bed with you, you can keep track of them. You don't know what they're doing if they're out there on the couch. It's a small motel room. (laughs)
1: they're in the same room like he gets up and she sees the
2: shadow the sofa (laughs) is in the room with the bed
1: (laughs) you're like what is he doing like she can hear it like it's not like (laughs) although she's kind of a a sound sleeper considering how she wakes up the next morning Um, (laughs) but Yeah, they're in the same room. Like, what do you expect out of her?
0: I don't know. I just, maybe it's because I've I've seen this so many times and I'm used to Michael Shannon playing these type of characters that I just see him and it's like, red flag, red flag. Uh, And I feel like, I don't know, if I was a woman, it'd be so scary to be a woman. I I mean, uh, you're right. You're
2: 100% correct. But again, everything we have already discussed in the first, what, 20 minutes of this movie, Mm -hmm. where it's like, she yes, yeah, she, she will accept this because she is lonely, depressed, a drunk, coked out, like all of the above. Right,
0: <laughs> that's fair. And I you have also how... been lonely and depressed and on drugs. And I mean, <laughs> and we also questionable see questionable choices with men.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we also see how and 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 this is going to happen in the next scene. How Jerry treats her and how she like views herself. Right. Like she has no self respect for herself. She doesn't care. Like, and that's the whole, that's the whole point of Agnes is she just, she doesn't care about anything anymore.
2: And that's what's so devastating about it. And again, I, I, I've been saying frustrating a lot about this because it is frustrating when you are not in that mental state to watch someone just dig themselves deeper and deeper and deeper into this hole. And again, this isn't even the worst of it because as you said, yeah, we're about to get the return of the ex-husband, mm-hmm. which will fill in the puzzle pieces as to why Agnes is the way she is.
0: How startled would you be if you woke up and Harry Connick Jr. was in your shower? Um,
2: probably
1: pretty startled, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I live alone, so I'd be startled if anybody was in my shower. (laughs)
3: Like,
1: like, I would just be like, Oh my,
2: what? (laughs) I will say though, he is looking real good in this movie. He looks
0: so good in this movie,
2: (laughs) yeah. Like, I know you mentioned copycat earlier, but it's like he's not attractive in copycat, he's like. what was his name in that Daryl Daryl Lee Cullum Daryl Lee Cullum
1: I love copycat that's such a
0: good movie oh copycat (laughs) also a five-star film for me (laughs) I agree absolutely
2: we've
0: got a good episode on it Mm.
2: oh I do yes yes
0: (laughs) yes you do I have not covered copycat but you have and I listened to that one so (laughs)
3: love
0: copycat I would love if Harry Connick Jr. showed up in my shower personally but, yeah, Agnes' ex, Jerry, has come in, let himself in. Very abusive ex. Good times to be had. Sean, you had a note in here. Explain.
1: Uh, So one of the things I did notice is uh, we when she sees that it's Jerry, her hand that's holding the coffee cup shakes, and it tells you everything about how she's feeling right there like and who like we've already gotten notions of who jerry is um especially from the calls but when her hand like her hand legitimately shakes like the coffee cup shakes and it was something because i watched it twice today um which was a lot of intensity and (laughs) but i the second time is when i really noticed that and i was like oh like she like this like, she puts up a brave front, but you could tell, like, she's terrified. And I think that's really important to who Agnes is and, like, what Jerry has essentially put her through.
0: Yeah, I love that she keeps saying she could take care of herself, but isn't. <laughs> he gets really pissed off of her asking her if she went queer and what would happen to her if he really thought that. she's, like, basically... I'm a raging dyke. Me and R.C. scissoring on the reg. <laughs> and well, because we
2: find out it's like a throwaway line that he's found Jesus, I guess, since his yeah. <laughs> time in prison. Which I I always love when that's a thing because it's like, oh, okay, but so you she can't be gay, but you can still beat her. Okay,
0: yes, right,
1: just yes. the way Jesus intended.
0: Apparently, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Keep your bitches in line. Psalms 42, verse
3: 7.
0: (laughs) We find out he tried to kill her in the past. I thought that was a Deuteronomy. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, that wouldn't fit in Deuteronomy. (laughs) Ugh. Hate that I grew up in the church. It's fine. It's fine. That's what my therapy is for. (laughs) We find out he tried to actually kill her in the past when he was bad on drink. And... How did he not go to? They we find out he went to jail for a prison, I guess, for armed robbery. But how did he not get in trouble for trying to kill her? She would have to report him. Yeah, she yeah, does. She, she never seem reports. Like she him. would have.
2: Yeah, no. He, like she, she's battered, like textbook battered wife.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I think well,
0: she it, did it, get a court order uh, at some point.
2: Well, she yeah, she got a, court, a restraining order against him, but he ignored it. And again, I feel like for that to matter, she would have to continue. To report it. To be like, hey, he did this. And I feel like at a point she just stopped.
0: Mm -hmm. True.
1: And I think in a lot of ways, like, because we'll see it more later when Michael Shannon is doing all of his experiments with the microscope. And he has all of Lloyd's stuff out. like Like, when Jerry grabs the shirt and, like, smells it. Just to, like, smell his son again. And I think in a lot of ways, I think she hates herself because of everything that happened with oh, lloyd she absolutely that, does like she, so she, that she blames she, herself for this exactly so i think she takes everything that jerry gives her as punishment for what happened to lloyd
2: well and, and not helping matters though is that jerry blames her too and doesn't mm-hmm. make mm-hmm. this a secret
1: no he's like you were with him like this was your fault and that's exactly and also so that's why she over all her, her as well well yeah. and the thing is is he apparently he was bad before it because she says I was thinking about taking Lloyd and going to my sister's in San Diego anyway, Mm -hmm. and then he like that she just never got the chance to or decided not to, and that's one thing is she allows that guilt to just use let it that guilt allows her to let him use her as a punching bag, essentially without.
0: Yeah, I mean she brings up their missing son that we don't know is missing yet and he fucking pops her one and then has the audacity to be like whose fucking fault is it you got smacked and of course she's like "Mine." textbook absolutely textbook
1: (laughs) yeah and it does it just adds to the tragedy of agnes because like this is a woman who's completely broken that like even if she doesn't completely like I feel like she absolutely believes that, like, it's my fault I got hit, like, she doesn't tell him to get out, she doesn't fight back, she just, and I don't know if it's survival, or if it's just such an innate, like, an intense hatred for, like, who she is and what her life is, that, to just let it happen, and I, it's really intensely adds to the tragedy.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a bummer. Michael Shannon comes back at this point. He had gone out to get some breakfast for them, and we get a lot of alpha male posturing that makes me so uncomfortable.
1: Sorry, I'm just going to keep laughing over your... Yeah, that's a bummer. Um, <laughs>
3: <laughs> just it like, is a bummer.
1: <laughs> I'm just like, man, her life is so sad. You're like, yeah, bummer. Uh, by the way, Michael Shannon... Um, <laughs> Sorry, I just that was it just made me laugh.
0: Sorry, Sorry.
1: Michael That's Shannon funny. and alpha alpha male power string. Let's go.
0: Every single scene with Jerry and Peter together makes me so tense. I hate it. I hate watching guys do this. I don't know how you guys <laughs> feel about it, but I hate it.
1: Well, and it's funny because I feel like in this one they're on a, a, some sort of level playing field but then on the next time when he when jerry breaks in like it feels a lot more like jerry like until the end of it michael shannon is very much like playing like defense and i think that's i think i think more of the alpha male posturing comes from jerry as opposed to uh i forgot the character's name oh my god peter (laughs) Peter. michael shannon (laughs) (laughs) i was like oh my god (laughs) Just watched this today, um, yeah. So from Peter, you know, I think like a lot more of it comes from that. I think he just oh, it a hundred percent
0: all comes from Jerry. But I just I hate it. Have you ever? I, ugh, I hate seeing it. I don't like it when it's done to me. I just I don't understand where that comes from in some guy's brain. I just ugh. Trace, how do you feel about uh, guys pulling that shit?
2: I. Uh, it's gross. <laughs> I, I don't deal with a lot of straight men in my day-to-day lives.
0: <laughs> oh, I do,
1: unfortunately. <laughs> some of them are quite awful. Um, I have spent I
0: some know. time at redneck bars. I've, I've witnessed this. <laughs> I mean,
2: <laughs> yes. No, I, I, it's just, I don't know, man. It's, yeah, it's just unsightly
0: agreed yeah uh he finally gtfos and (laughs) (laughs) he does and agnes admits they were together long enough that she still gets scared at night and they're getting to know each other and she's trying to take care of her beat up face and lies about having kids sort of lie of a mission sure I,
2: I like that we at least address this, like, right away. Because he already mm-hmm. knows she had kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry, a kid.
0: Yeah. And uh, I greatly love the moment when Michael Shannon's like, I don't like that she that he hit you. And she just says, can't say I'm wild about it myself. <laughs> and... Uh, he goes on to basically explain what's going to happen in the movie and that people can do things to you and they can drive you crazy, too, which is well, what he does to her.
2: So th- okay, this is the thing. So, OK, so he does this whole thing where he's like, you think I hate you? And she's like, no, I don't I don't hate you. Like, why would you think that? And this I'm, I'm so conflicted with this Peter character, because this to me is like. Uh, uh, manipulation Tactics yeah. 101.
0: My exact thing I wrote down for the, yeah, I know you hate me. I just wrote down that quote and then so mini- so manipulative. That was yeah, me.
2: But here's the thing. I'm also, because he is clearly a mentally unwell man. And so mm. I am not 100% sure if he is being consciously manipulative at this point, or if this is just how he knows or h- how he really feels. I-, I don't really know what to make of it. Because I also, like, we don't always know when he stopped taking his meds. hmm But nevertheless, this is manipulative, whether he knows it or not.
0: Yeah, but- for sure. I don't think it, I mean, it matters whether he knows it or not, I guess. But for all intents and purposes, it's just manipulative. It's fucked yeah. up.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, and- it's like, and she plays into it, right? Because she's already at her weakest because her, her ex-husband just beat the shit out of her.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she's lonely, she's scared. Ugh. It's sad.
1: Well, and she's also saying like it, he he is mani- he is being manipulative even if it isn't like meant to be manipulative, but he's also she's seeing a softer person. Like he's listening to what she wants, like he's at least he I think he's trying in some ways. And I think that's a lot of the reasons why she ends up like falling for him is because he is like when you compare him to Jerry, like <laughs> Peter is a, you know, like a little bit more of a, a of a better man minus, you know, the paranoid schizophrenia. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, he's, she, I think that's a lot of what really gets her to like almost fall in love with him is him in these, like, little disarming moments, like, oh, I know you hate me, and she's just, she is sees someone who is just as intensely lonely as she is, and ends up, I think this is really the moment that she's, well, of course, you know what happens next, but I think that really is what pushes it over for her.
0: Yeah, she says, uh, I don't have a lot of friends, but the ones I have, I'm real good to. And he comes right back being manipulative again about, well, you don't trust me, you lied to me about having children and then she tells him what happened trace you want to mm-hmm. tell us her tragic story
2: and um, shit she, she she was in the grocery store with her kid lloyd by the way my real name and really she, yeah my, my name is lloyd dennis thurman the third
0: that's wonderful
2: <laughs> um but yeah she i'm a realized second she for-
0: so I, I can relate
2: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah she realized she forgot an onion went to go grab that chekhov's red onion from earlier and uh kid disappeared
0: 10 years ago six years old
2: yeah so he'd be 16 years old now although hey no it doesn't really matter do we think this kid was merely kidnapped and is being raised by another family a la the deep end of the ocean or is this kid kidnapped and murdered
1: uh i'm going with
0: kidnapped and murdered. oh i have always for some reason assumed he was kidnapped and raised by someone else
2: <laughs> have you ever I seen that movie the deep end of the ocean it's michelle pfeiffer and treat williams from like I oh. not. basically the whole movie is like yeah like she's in like a hotel or something and her kid disappears and about 15 years later he resurfaces and they find him and they try to take him back in and it's like oh like what happens when that happens Mm
3: -hmm.
0: kind of like the face on the milk carton i was about to say the face on the milk carton i love that book i love that movie with uh the girl that played christy in that miniseries. i can't think of her name kelly martin or something but yeah i love that and she was kidnapped and raised by another family
2: god kelly martin she's like she was really the tv movie queen you are right it's kelly martin shit i i know her as a lucy from er
0: oh that's so funny yeah i'm a You know, grew up super Christian. I saw that Christy miniseries with her (laughs) and Tyne Daly. And yeah, it's my main (laughs) thing. But she was. She was in tons of TV movies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Peter asked her. Well, she said she stopped looking a couple years ago, except in her dreams. She still looks for him in her sleep. And he asked, do you ever and can't even finish saying it? And she's just like, no. And she's like, snot acting here.
1: Yeah, this is ashley judd is so good in this movie Mm -hmm. and this is the part where like if you have not felt for her by this point you are going to feel for her like this is the part where she puts all of her cards on the table and is just she's devastating And it's, it's just, it's such a good performance.
2: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, that line, except I still, except in my sleep, I still look for him in my sleep. That's just like the, oh, oh, such a gut punch of a line. Um, And again, the way that this scene flows from this, well, you say snot mess, (laughs) to let's
0: fuck, (laughs) come here, boy. Uh, That come here, boy. (laughs) The whole entire situation, she tells this incredibly tragic, gut-wrenching story. It's not running down her face. She's just been hit hit by her ex. Tells him she likes, you know, having somebody around. Invites him to stay again. He hits her with, I haven't been to bed with a woman in a long time, but I think I could go to bed with you incredibly flattering. Like, that's all I, she needs I, yeah. she's like
1: <laughs> all right yeah, that's... i'm ready to go <laughs> yeah but that's exactly it that is the that is the spark she needs like she doesn't like she has bared her soul to him and he still accepts her for her so for her like yes that is absolutely the next step because he is looking at her and he's seeing her and still wants her
2: Well, for her, I think that just makes it like she's
1: just she's now in this
2: and they're both in very vulnerable places. I don't know about y'all, but like, honestly, for me, like sometimes the horniest I am with my husband is after a couple therapy session, because it's like you spend, you know, that hour. Like, being really brutally honest, being very vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And there's something very hot about that. And so, while some may view this scene and be like, well, that's kind of weird. Like, she's just like, sobbing over her missing kid. <laughs> there is something that's almost an aphrodisiac about, like, confessing something like this to someone. Nice.
1: One, and also, I, I feel like, I, and I have I have never been in that situation to do, but I feel like it would almost be like, you're kind of really getting to know someone. Like you're not you're you're learning to love someone again in in a different way than you did before mm-hmm. because you're learning uh, who the per you're learning more about who the person is rather than you know just your normal everyday like we met at a bar getting to know you
0: bullshit <laughs> yeah I will say that come here, boy makes me laugh every single time even though it's not like a funny point in the movie just something about it. It is a weird line. I laugh out uh, loud about it. (laughs) It's, but I read it as her trying to take
2: control of the situation because it's a very dominating line of dialogue, and so it is.
0: It's very dominating.
2: That's how I read that. Like it's like, yeah, she's just spent the past like five minutes like being very vulnerable, and this is her kind of like hiking up her boots and stuff and being like, all right, I'm in control now.
0: Whenever you have sex with your husband next, please just come here, boy. Oh, no, that's never going to happen. <laughs> no, that will not, that will not happen. <laughs> then we get the sweatiest sex scene in the history of film, pretty much. Yeah.
2: I remember the first time I saw this, too, I was wondering if it was a body double for Judd, because we're getting a lot of close-ups of her tits in this scene. Um, I don't think it is a body double, though. I don't think it do is get, either. Because yeah, we'll get her fully naked later in the film.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, she goes naked a couple times later in it, and I feel like if she's going to show herself for that, she would have for this. Mm-hmm. It is so sweaty. I can't even describe how sweaty it is. Like, full streams, <laughs> plopping off the nipples. It's just, <laughs> it's so wet. <laughs> it's like a horrible version of, like, the True Blood credits, because they also, like, put shots of bugs and stuff in it.
1: I like how often this is coming back to true blood. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was not expecting it, but I get I think I like it.
0: <laughs> That's what I was thinking about during the sex scene. Both times I'm like, Oh, this is like the true blood credit. And they finish their coitus and we get a bug bite or do we?
2: That's a great fucking question. Um, do, do we actually see a close-up of this bite on him, or do, or do we not? Get we to never
0: see it. See it. No. We, okay. No.
2: Um, yeah. yeah. I either a he did does he doesn't have a bug bite, or he's doing it to himself because we'll find out later yeah. that a lot of his wounds, according to a doctor, according to a dermatologist, look self-inflicted.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, her wounds are his. Are he? They? I mean, we absolutely. Like I absolutely believe he did them to himself, yeah. but like it's just hers that are self inflicted. That initial bug ground. bite
0: is the what I always wonder about. I'm like, did he actually get bit? Because she's like, oh, that looks like a spider bite. And the rest of the stuff, you know, she's like, I don't I see mean, anything. But she did very there's much. There's like, like a see red mark
1: on his chest too, which but, I wondered if he just scratched himself, and then that's what really
2: sets him off. I, I will tell you this though. So, so I, I said earlier, I've had bed bugs before. I've had bed bugs once before, and I've had scabies twice in my life, and again scabies doesn't matter if you're clean or not has no bearing on that but uh, <laughs> i should just say that before we were like oh my god trace like how have you got like scabies Cale. and bed bugs <laughs> we try our best not to judge but here's the thing, here's the thing. <laughs> to get rid of either one of these things like scabies you have to rub a cream all over your body leave it there like sleep in it not wash it off because it's like killing because the, the scabies are like microscopic mites under your skin um horrifying but, like, you don't know. You don't know if it fixes them, if it kills them, because it takes a couple days for them to actually die off. So you'll still be getting, like, the scabies marks on your body for a couple days after applying this uh, killer cream. Um, same with bed bugs. Like, when we had bed bugs, and honestly, it was bed bug. Um, I learned that I had, like, I guess an allergic to bed bug bites. So I would if I slept in my bed, I would wake up and I would have an enormous welt. Somewhere on my body, and it was one of those ones that would itch so bad that it was like it was, it was painful. But, and yeah, I to, I'm it.
0: super sensitive to bed bugs as well.
2: Yeah, and so but if I slept on my couch, I wouldn't get anything. If I was in my room, but like it's a thing where it's like my apartment complex kept saying like no, there's no traces of bed bugs. And historically, like bed bugs hunt it's not packs, but it's like a group of them, right? So you get like a line <laughs> of bites on your body somewhere. I was just getting one bite somewhere. That's so on my weird because
0: it, yeah, it's usually like a little row.
2: Oh, and, and so, again, though, what your brain goes through when you're like, okay, I'm going to bed tonight. Am I going to wake up tomorrow and have a bite? Am I going to wake up? Have I gotten rid of these things? So, the paranoia is. going movie, to bed
0: really, really anxiety-inducing. Yes. It's horrifying.
2: It's horrible. It's fucking horrible. And so, even watching this movie, when I'm like, okay, well, these people are actually, like, medically, like, unwell, I still almost understand it. Because, again, if you think you have bugs or if you have mm-hmm. had bugs, you're like, oh, my God, like, you— Overanalyze every piece of your body. And yeah. at the same time, it's like if if I remember once, <laughs> this was like really you get bad, a bit so. once,
0: and then I mean, if, the whole night you're thinking about it, or you think you feel something, or you're like, okay, I need to look in my sheets, look in the creases of my mattress, I need to, and you're just like, yeah.
2: Or Ugh. if I told you, if one of you slept in my bed, like when I was out of town or something, and I was like, oh yeah, hey, sorry, by the way, i I have scabies, you shouldn't have slept in that bed. Even if you don't. Like have scabies on you, you will be like, oh my god! You'll start scratching yourself, thinking that there are things on your skin. So it's a very relatable at Your house in
0: like two weeks.
2: (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) I was gonna say I do that with clothing. I can't. There are some like shirts that have like when they have like a back like like the back like image or anything like that some of those i can't even deal with so i i i'm just sensitive like a disney princess apparently um <laughs> <laughs> it's why I'm, I'm also like super pale so i'm like and you're allergic I'm to probably. like everything not everything but just a lot of things
0: cats <laughs> dogs grass I don't know. there's saliva
1: on un- uh, vegetables that aren't cooked <laughs> it's just kind of a sad life sometimes <laughs> okay back to the sad life of yeah <laughs> bug
0: i was actually kind of worried about watching this because between the last time and this time someone had had bed bugs and so i was like watching this movie i was just like oh is this gonna bring up all that paranoia and stuff again even though it's just in their head thankfully it did not i was totally fine but i was very concerned about it and i'm glad it Did not bring that fear back up, because I do not feel like spending three nights imagining itching. Beware of this movie. It might make you paranoid. We get a lot of casual full frontal. Yay. (laughs) Love to see it. Not something we get often in the movies. Mm -mm. You go, Michael Shannon. Thank you. Aphids. Could you imagine? (laughs) (laughs) The most harmless little bug ever. (laughs) I used yeah. to, one of my friends I watched this with a few years ago. Like I'll still just text him and be like, um about this because it's just ridiculous. <laughs> Could you imagine seeing this on stage?
1: Oh, I feel like it would. Like, there's such an intensity to it that it would be so insane on stage.
2: Yeah, it's interesting too because I didn't recall seeing a lot of because normally, like when you see a um a film adaptation of a play or or a musical um you'll see a lot of the reviews where it's like oh it feels very stagey like it doesn't do a lot to leave the realm of the stage and this movie is very much one of those but i was surprised to not see those types of critiques and maybe it's because uh the camera work is so frenetic that you kind of don't notice it right
0: yeah it doesn't feel like a one location stage type production
2: I would say for a similar scenario, uh, if you can stomach Roman Polanski, you should actually check out his film Carnage, uh, which is.
0: I love Carnage. Oh I my do God. Too. Kate Winslet is so good in that. Speaking of Jodie Foster.
2: Yes. But, but that's also a movie that takes place entirely in an apartment. Mm-hmm. Uh and I don't think that the camera... And granted, that's a much different like genre of a film. That's yes. a comedy. But it, it feels so <laughs> it, but it feels like you're watching a filmed version of a stage play, whereas I don't think you always get that here.
0: Mm-mm. I forget it's based on a play. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, Marsha Gay Harden won a Tony for it.
0: Nice.
1: Well, and another thing with this movie, to make it feel bigger, is we also get those sweeping, like... You get your immense zoom in, you know, from the beginning when you're, when, when you're coming into the motel. And then you also get establishing shots of like nighttime and outside the motel. So it does feel like at least, even if the, the film is in the same spot, at least time is moving in it, which sometimes doesn't always work And like for plays. It just feels like everything's happening. You have to be told it's happening kind of, or like if they have to, they have to show it. In some way. And mm-hmm. they do a good job of showing it in this one. The time passage. Because yeah. this is when things start to fall apart for them. <laughs> Speaking of t- the
0: passing of time, how long do you think the span is from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie? How long about...
2: I thought it was like a week, maybe.
1: Yeah, I thought it was about a week is what I was expecting. At, at least three days um, is what I had in my mind mm-hmm. because they have to go and pick up this aluminum foil they have to go like get so all the. Foil. they buy every type of bug spray there is like there's there's at least it, it all of this just builds time and like it did jerry said he was going somewhere and he said he'd be back in a few days so then he shows up later so it, it's got to be it, i would say at least it, probably anywhere from three to four days to a week
0: mm-hmm They drop in some breadcrumbs about themes that we're going to see a little bit later. She keeps calling the bugs a he, and he's like, you keep assuming it's a him and not a (laughs) matriarchal type with a big brood, and she's very impressed by the word matriarchal, which I find charming.
1: Myriad. (laughs) Myriad, nice.
0: Uh, Also, when this episode comes out, which is the 28th, Fathom Events is doing a showing of Heathers on the 30th only so if you have a theater around you on the 30th you can go see Heathers on the big screen for its 35th anniversary. You're welcome everyone. Hmm. I am going to try to go myself because I have not seen Heathers on the big screen and I would like to.
3: Hmm.
0: We find out that he was homeschooled which I wrote down. Well that explains it. I don't know how you feel about homeschoolers but... (laughs) <clears throat> anyway
2: oh you're you a paranoid more... schizophrenic because you were homeschooled you? i'm just gonna say oh, you might god. have more personal experience with that than than i do
0: <laughs> yeah i mean I, I i knew some homeschool kids in my church days and mean girls had it pretty close <laughs> <laughs> on the third day god created the remington bolt action rifle for the man to fight the dinosaurs and the homosexuals <clears throat> they keep looking for these imaginary bugs that Agnes cannot see. And he is insisting are there the whole time. He's just badass naked marching around this apartment. It's great. <laughs> and he talks about why he liked her. Cause she's like, yeah, I've been with a woman in a while. And he tells her she's different ladies. If some guy tells you you're different, red flag, panty dropper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't speak the codes, and then he goes on to say there's a place inside of you that's just you. It's really important to keep that space sacred. Sex and relationships cloud that space and make it difficult to be just me. He does, however, say you know just personally, not everyone. So I was about to get on my high horse about him saying that because you can have sex with whoever you want, people. It's fine. It's not going to cloud your whatever. You're fine. <laughs> we get this wonderful trailer moment where she's just like, I like hearing you talk and I wish she had met somebody better. I really want that for Agnes.
2: Well, it's RC's fault.
0: It is. It's totally RC's fault. She brought him over. She even was pissed about her bringing him over.
2: And the thing is though, like, I mean, like obviously if we didn't have RC bring him over, we wouldn't have a movie, but the movie we we would get if RC hadn't done that is we'd then be in a domestic drama between her and uh, uh, Jerry. Right.
1: And one of the thing, and that's one of the reasons why when, when RC comes back, I think she's fighting so hard. Like, it's not just, friend like, I think she does feel an ounce of guilt for, at least oh, an yeah. ounce of guilt for this. Like, she's like, I brought him here. Like, who are you? We don't know who you are. Agnes, like, what is going on? And it's one of the reasons why I think she's fight like fighting so so hard for her. It's not just the friendship, but it's also a little bit of guilt.
2: Well, but uh, so it's that moment, and later when we get to Doctor Sweet, there are two moments in this film where you're like, oh my god, like you've almost got Agnes like across the threshold where you've got her back into the world of sanity, and then, like at the last moment she just pulled right back into it. Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: Could you imagine seeing this from Arcee's point of view?
2: Yeah. (laughs) Oh my god Like she she brings this guy
0: home from the bar Over to party with her friend Gone for a few days I don't know if Agnes had any shifts during this time I don't know I really could not tell you The time frame of this And then the next time you come over Her apartment's covered in aluminum foil Talking about all these bugs
1: Well but she had also taken her to the To the dermatologist. dermatologist So like she knows already That whatever is happening Is not actually happening like she's trying to figure out. I think A is Peter actually doing this to her, or is uh, is or he dangerous? What, what is he dangerous? Like what is why is she? What is this road she's on? And I think that's one of the reasons why. She, like she's she's just like what the
2: fuck. <laughs> that is interesting too because I because we only leave this motel a couple of times and mostly in the beginning of the film. Um. Mm-hmm. It seems like too this dermatologist appointment would have been a good opportunity to leave the space of the hotel room, and so I'm trying to figure out Friedkin's thought process behind not doing that. And the only thing I can think of is that by this point in the film, he wants you to feel trapped with these characters. Yep. Oh, yeah, I, I think you're 100
1: percent hit it right on the head. Like I think at this point, like the paranoia is so high that if you were to leave it, like you're you're giving the world you you're bringing the world in, and the whole point of and I, I I, made a note in here uh, that Clayton was talking about was of, this is a very much a very good representation of a folio due or a madness shared by two right. Clayton because I know he's been what well, he did not ah, know
2: about that. Yeah, I was that. like, I don't
0: know what that means. Uh, I know that's the subtitle for the new Joker movie <laughs> with Lady Gaga, late- but...
2: Just wait until Joker 2 comes out, then everyone's going to know what folia do means. Yeah. Right. And that's
1: one of the, th- like, so this is very much a movie, like, this is their madness that is shared. And there's actually two classifications of a folia do. and there's folie Impulse, which is a dominant person, um, forms a delusion and imposes it on another person or a secondary person with the assumption that the secondary person would not have become deluded if not induced or there's one called fully simultani, um or simultane um uh, my french is bad sorry um either two people independently experience psychosis under the content of each other's delusions or two people morbidly predisposed to delusional psychosis mutually trigger symptoms within each other so and that was going to be one of my questions is which one do you think agnes and peter are because i think it's the first one <laughs> yeah
2: i think so too
1: but if we go back to the to the ringing phone is that a sign her psychosis and then he's sharing in her psychosis and the more that the two of them mutually trigger their own symptoms within each other which is one of the reasons why i wrote down both of both of these because i think there is a there could be a reading for both you know, fully imposé and fully simple simultane. I just, I'm not even gonna try. <laughs>
0: I'm loving hearing you try
1: <laughs> simultane. I was like, yeah, no, I should have practiced those. <laughs> but yeah, I think there could be a strong reason for both um, because it is very much like he brings his delusions in. But if we're looking at it as she was already predispos- predisposed to have those delusions, is this the two of them just... Is it his self-destruction that brings her to the edge? And she feeds or is into it, it with their... him,
0: too. Like, what if he gotten so far into this if she wasn't so willing to, like, I don't to know. To go to the edge with him.
1: Yeah. Hmm. So, that was By my little... My little Wikipedia for, uh, or my little Wikipedia psych, psych for today.
0: <laughs> Some people are just bad together, you know?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the, speaking
0: of the phone ringing, the phone rings and she's like, I'm not going to fucking get it. It's just my fucking ex. He answers it and gets even more paranoid. He's like, it's just static. They're watching. I've got people after me. He doesn't want to talk about it. She's getting that whole, I ain't the kind of woman who moves from man to man on him. He doesn't want to tell her, so he leaves. She full-on breaks down, screaming in the bathroom, Mm -hmm. and he comes back, and he tells her his military story. Sean, Trace, Mm -hmm. whoever, what do we think of his story?
2: It's Paranoid Ramblings of a Madman. Yep. Yep. I mean you, you could also I mean it's also PTSD because here's the thing do we think he was born this way or do we think that it was his time in the military in the Gulf War that that spurred this madness
1: I mean you you don't get enough either way but it, it could be both like if we're looking at a at a like how he does and blame the government <laughs> you know in a mm-hmm. post 9/11 kind of world for this which wouldn't well, have happened was in the original in play though. I know, but I, that's what I'm saying. But if he, when he wrote the screenplay, if he was incorporating aspects of that, then yes, then that could be very much seen as a, you know, like his PTSD triggered his paranoid sch- schizophrenia, essentially. But you could also look at it as he was already paranoid schizophrenic. He managed to pass his psych exam and everything in war just exacerbated it.
2: Well, because he's also a deserter, too, right? Mm hmm. Um. Yeah. I mean, he goes on. He he blames you know um the, the AIDS epidemic on the government. Um, but we get a lot of blaming the government for a lot of things here. Um, he eventually says that the Jonestown massacre
0: was the government. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Jim Jones. He makes and them. They Jim were, Jones. They, a they jo- were good guy. <laughs> they were assassinated by the government. <laughs> but
2: yeah i mean again this is your first taste of what the the final 20 minutes of this film will be like but i do think this is the moment when uh, when agnes fully transitions over into his line of thinking because this is when we get the first use of the faux helicopter Mm
3: -hmm.
0: yes and also so i feel like it's really the military screens pretty well on mental stuff because obviously uh They need to be careful about that. People are carrying around guns and going into stressful situations. But I've known a decent amount of people that went into the military. And as a general rule, they are very fucked up. So, I don't know. I'm not a psychiatrist, but I feel like a lot of it probably was triggered by what happened in the war. And I know he, they say later, you know, he's been in a military hospital for four years and then busted out. And he says he went AWOL after they, you know, doing all their tests on him and all his bullshit.
2: Well, and those tests were probably just psych evals. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, so exactly. I'm sure they were
0: just like, we want to get you better. You're kind of crazy and dangerous.
2: I mean, that's, again, my my big thing is, I, because the film doesn't give us a ton of information, but it's like, why are they only sending this one guy after him to get him? Yeah, when and he even says, like he's more of a danger to himself and others. So they should maybe send a fleet of people after him. <laughs>
0: yeah well
2: but i think it's exactly that i think he thinks that
1: the only person that he is a danger to is himself so he's trying to i think he's trying to save him but i think the fact that the two of them find each other and they feed into their yeah they create such an intensity that like it essentially burns everything in its path oh yeah yeah, literally a figure
2: it's the worst kind of codependency
1: exactly yeah so when he finally meets her And, like, is in, like, I I think he's, he realizes there is, this is a woman who's so deep in the delusion herself that, like, he kind of, he's, I think he's trying to play it safe. (laughs) Like, I don't think he realizes just how dangerous the two of them have become.
0: Yeah, and I mean, we'll get to this when we get to that scene, but the way the doctor talks to her. I'm fascinated by it but he mentions in that and again I don't know how much of what he's saying is true and what he's playing into but he's like you know the FBI and CIA or whoever after him Oh, but they just sent me
2: that uh, uh, that is him realizing oh shit you're crazy too so i have to then yeah be he's a very part much your like delusion.
0: talking to her how he does but i i feel like somebody like him that had busted out would have people looking for him aside from this random doctor well yeah. but
1: i mean i think it also depends like if he's yes he's a paranoid schizophrenic but if in this in any other situation he seemed like he was fine so it is until he meets her and they go on their whirlwind romance. He was just drifting, like he said. So I don't think he's burnt out like this before because he hasn't met anyone like her before. So the fact that the two of them trigger the worst in each other and he, they literally just burn. They, they, the Polly the, the do <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like they create a fire that that i don't think he realized was going to be created so once he meets her and realizes this is not a good situation he has to play it extremely differently because when he comes in he's like when he just talks to them through the door he's just like oh i just need to talk to you and then he comes in and realizes what's going on and then switches to like you know like i I gotta play this safe
2: Okay. Also, I'm am sorry. I I I'm diverting a little bit here because I know we keep saying paranoid schizophrenic, even though it's not really. Specifically. I don't think it's yeah. So so okay, it, what it is? It's delusional parasitosis, and this is yes. a mental disorder in which individuals have persistent belief that they are infested or living with non living pathogens like parasites, insects, bugs, whatever. Um, but I did want to point out so, the cause of this is unknown. But it is theorized that it may be related to excess dopamine in the brain, um, resulting from diminished dopamine transporter function. And here's the other thing. Evidence supporting the dopamine theory is that medications that inhibit dopamine reuptake, like cocaine, like amphetamines, are known to induce these symptoms. Right. Nice. So her cocaine probably wasn't. Because that is matters. a thing, you know,
0: people with that that are on meth for a long time, you know, they're picking it themselves or mm-hmm. seeing it. Yeah. Yeah sounds horrible horrifying absolutely horrifying oh yeah
1: but the one thing that it doesn't like i think his paranoia like the delusional parasitosis absolutely describes like what he's feeling but i do feel like he does have a bit of like a paranoid schizophrenia in him because he does go very much into like that's more i i it's kind of like a joint diagnosis um because he is very much like they're watching me, like they're watching me. So it is adding, like that, adds on to the parasitosis. Right, 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 right. So I think it's, I think it's a bit of both in a lot of ways. Is I how see I that. took it.
2: I mean, again, like n- none of us are psychiatrists. No. <laughs> no, no. I was gonna say, I, le- I, I learn what I, I read. go to a lot of therapy, but that's
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> she comes out and. Presumably finds a bug on him, and helicopters shake motel hotel apartment for we the first time motel, for both of them.
1: Hotel
0: yes, that Sorry, place I exactly. <laughs> the next place we see, there are now fly strips everywhere in the apartment. aluminum foils started to be up. They've covered stuff in plastic. He's pricking his finger and looking at the blood under this cheap ass little janky microscope i was gonna say
2: he stole that from the local elementary school
0: Yeah, (laughs) it's very much like a child microscope (laughs) (laughs) i'm cracking up later in the movie when they're looking at this you know everything's covered in blood everything's dirty and he's looking at it by candlelight through a microscope and i'm like you can't see shit you cannot see anything
1: (laughs) which is the point
0: (laughs) yeah whatever they're seeing in there we get the return of Jerry. So this has probably been a few days at this point. Agnes is not home. Jerry does his alpha male bullshit again and is super pissed off that they don't have a TV and drops this line, which I think is very funny since he was in Independence Day. We could be invaded by Martians or some shit and we're just sitting here with our thumbs up, ar- up our asses. <laughs> I don't know if that line was in the play or if they just put that in there for funsies, but I like to think it was put in there for funsies. <laughs> I, I mean, very this was like sad ten. He died this was like in ten years Day.
2: after Independence Day. <laughs> yeah, yes. I was like, this is a
1: long time. Deep cut, he... deep cut for Tracy Letts.
0: <laughs> yeah, Tracy Letts, fan of Independence Day. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. No, <Sorry>. no.
1: <laughs> if we ever get to meet Tracy Letts, we have to ask him if he likes no. Independence Day. <laughs> we have to ask
0: you. Do you like Independence Day? He tells him he's looking at a bug in his blood and that they are infested. And Jerry is just like... (laughs) You crazy. Yeah, (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Jerry might be a lot of things, but he's not stupid. Agnes and R.C. come back from the dermatologist where they have been pretty much like, "Eh, there's no bugs, you're hurting yourself.
2: No, I love though that, like, so again, because uh, Peter starts going on a rambling again, and he's like, oh yeah, cocaine, the DEA, they sprayed the coca leaf with the bugs. And Agnes' reply to this, I love Ashley Judge's delivery. She just goes, oh wow, thanks for telling me. Like, very, <laughs> very I wrote
0: serious, that down too. I thought like, that was so funny. She's like, oh, Thanks for telling me. Yeah,
2: like, it's, it's not so sarcasm. Grateful. She's being totally sincere, totally just like, oh, my God, that, I'm going to stop doing cocaine now. Yeah, this
1: yeah. Is, I was going to say, this is how Agnes quit cocaine.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> she was like, oh, and it survives the purification process, which mm-hmm. I was just like, "Uh-huh."
0: yeah, it's just like, <laughs> you know, you should do this. And it's like, oh, I didn't even know. I mean, it's just so sincere. It's so funny. <laughs>
1: yeah i just love how rc is like what rc's (laughs)
0: reaction to this whole entire thing is priceless also when you call the police and hang up don't they have to either a call back or b come check
1: well she was talking with the operator not with police right because she's like please she's like police department please and then
0: oh i thought she had like
2: but doesn't that seem like an extra step like why would you dial zero when you could just dial nine (laughs) one one yeah, it, I think
1: it's the only reason it's there is so that they don't have to have the police come.
0: <laughs> maybe it was because like it was you're not supposed to call nine one one unless it's an emergency, and he was already gone. Ooh, she just to report it.
1: Maybe it's a yeah, or maybe it's a smaller t- in a smaller area. Sometimes they will have like maybe there's like oh
0: Jerry's beating on Agnes again.
1: There's either a or there's a police department and there's a fire department, so you get two different lines you get one person directing you to whichever line you need so like when you call in i don't remember if that's a thing or not but i thought
0: i don't know know. either way i flagged it i feel like they have to if you're trying to call the cops they have to do something about it but whatever
1: they do if you actually talk to them (laughs) Or, or actually get to them
0: yeah it all leads to this big huge confrontation where he's arguing with Agnes like do we have bugs or not yes or no like there's no gray area no sun bugs like are they there are they not and she's like yes yes there are bugs and he's like then your doctor was lying to you it's all a fucking conspiracy I'm really crazy and <laughs> poor <RC>. Arthur. <laughs> if he would
1: have said that that's what it's just would like okay dude <laughs> <laughs>
0: I do love R.C. being like, aphids don't bite. And he's like, do you know anything about aphids? No. Well, we do. <laughs> <laughs> Great stuff. R.C. tries to take Agnes and threatens to sick Dr. Sweet onto Peter. And he throws a melodramatic fit. Just like, did you ever see the greatest freak out ever videos on YouTube back in the day? No.
2: No, I don't think so
0: he didn't that guy that like freaks out he gets mad at his brother and he tries to like shove a remote up his ass like no, <laughs> no. I, I, I cannot say that i have ever heard of um, this <laughs> you guys should look this up it's a thing there's a ton of them this kid just like gets mad about everything like ridiculously mad like his mom cuts up his wow account or something and he like flips out one time wonderful stuff but this mm. is the type of thing he does this rage fit that peter throws is exactly but, what this kid does. Anyway, that doesn't suck it lovely. up. It's, it's very funny. But yeah, he throws a fit that practically looks like a seizure, and it works. This, okay,
2: this is great though, because this is also, Agnes will full on just slap the fuck out of RC. And that's the last time we're going to see RC in this movie, y'all, because she is out of there.
1: <laughs> yeah. Which, I mean, there's nothing she could have done not really i don't think at this point agnes was i don't think agnes would have left even if she Mm -mm. even if my even if peter wouldn't have freaked out i think agnes is now in this for the long haul i think this i think that the madness is fully consumed her and she's just not she's not
2: leaving well, There's and the, no the, but the physicality of Michael Shannon's performance in this scene is—I mean, this is this is part of the reason why I would call it a scary movie because like th- this to me is horrifying to watch. Like, mm-hmm. it's a crazy person self-inflicting pain in a manipulative way to get his girlfriend to stay with him.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, you're absolutely right, and it, it, it really is. When he throws himself on that bed, it just feels visceral, like it really does. Like, it feels like he is actively trying to hurt himself, and it's enough to. Make her stay, and it, she stays.
0: This was another moment that Ashley Judd's performance, when she is screaming at R.C. to get out, and she's like, "This is the only thing in the world I have. Why are you trying to take it from me? Get out, never come back." And then she screams at her like so primally to get out of here. It's now, astonishing. It's... Like it making it makes me flinch every single time when she's
2: well, like, get out of it, here.
0: I mean, it's... but that's the
2: that's the thing though, because like Ashley Judd's character Agnes is such a. a a doormat for Mm -hmm. the first half, maybe even two thirds of this film. And so it's almost like we're watching her get empowered, but it's like for all the wrong reasons.
1: Yes, exactly. She, she finds someone to be empowered for, but it's the wrong person. Yes. uh (laughs) Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So uh, they have a talk Mm -hmm. while they're covered in rashes and scratches and are looking pretty rough. And Ashley Judd tells him, I think this is kind of the central thing of the movie. All we ever talk about is bugs, but I guess I'd rather talk to you about bugs than nothing with nobody. Yes, Not I've that I've that got down much down to too. say unless I talk about misery, and who wants to hear that?
2: Yeah, no, I wrote that down too. That, that That's like the key to her character. I mean, again, I can see someone watching this and being like, girl, like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, come on but she's been at rock bottom for the past 10 years of her life
3: yep
0: i mean possibly more because i mean she are she's been with jerry since before lloyd because that was their kid so
1: yeah well but she says she even says that lloyd was the only bright spot Mm -hmm. like and so once she loses lloyd she loses everything in her life that is good and so her that's the whole that's the whole point of this is she finds someone who, while he probably doesn't make her as happy as her son did, he shows interest in her, and like she feels, she she has something, or someone to live for again, and some strange way also to die for.
2: Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Before the uh, Lloyd disappeared, she was just a battered wife. Now, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she's even worse.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> This sequence is so hard to watch. Michael Shannon's like, there's an egg sack under my skin, and it's in my tooth, and I have to get it out. Ugh.
2: Yeah, th- I think this is probably the big set piece of the film. I would argue it is the, the climax, but in, if, if you're coming for like the horror, the gore of it all, mm-hmm. there's nothing quite like tooth trauma.
0: Yes, I felt bad. I, it got to this scene, and I looked over at my friend that I was watching this with, because I hadn't seen it in a few years, and I forgot how bad it was, and I almost apologized. <laughs> it, oh, Sean, how'd you feel about this tooth-pulling oh, sequence?
1: Oh, um, well, it made my face hurt a little bit uh i honestly the funny thing is is there are some of this movie that i did remember from when i saw it but that was not one of the parts i did and like when he pulls out the pliers i was just like oh no the tooth i remember it now (laughs) (laughs) and so i'm watching it and i'm just like oh no this is yeah it's pretty rough like i i'm not a flincher but there was a couple times where i was like there was there was some wincing
0: yeah, I watch New French Extremity for fun, and I have a hard time watching this scene.
2: <laughs> uh, honestly, for me though, again, it all goes back to Judd because you know he, he gets his tooth, he crushes it, he puts it in the microwave, and it, uh, the microwave. Oh my god, the microscope, and <laughs> and and he's just like he has that reaction of like I was right the whole time, but it's Ashley Joe when she goes over and she looks at it and she just goes. Millions. Millions and you're Ugh, like, oh, it makes my skin crawl God. the way she her line delivery of that is like she's
0: fully bought in and, and they
2: freaking purposefully doesn't show us what's in that mm-hmm. slide, but we
0: know there's nothing there, you Right. <laughs> yep. But the way she says it, it like almost sells it a little bit.
2: Oh, yeah, it's it's almost. This almost feels like the choice for her character. Like it's, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Again, I don't know if she's consciously choosing to buy into this delusion, but this is the point of no return. Right. Yeah. Well,
1: and I think at first she was, but the thing about a folio do is it, that delusion starts to be shared. So she does see them. That's why later when she's like slapping at her skin and then she tries to show him one because she does see it in her head. Like she is seeing them now because they're sharing their madness mm-hmm. and i that's why it's like like this i th- absolutely believe she sees millions of them in there which
2: also how tiny are these aphids the microscopic. <laughs> like, <laughs> i was like I i'm telling you people. they should have said it was scabies that would have made more sense yeah
1: <laughs> I just feel like they picked aphids because no one would ever be, ever like, what kind of infestation do you have? We have aphids. Um, I like... think
2: a,
0: I think Farmer John would know what an aphid was. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Then there is some sort of time jump. Next day, a few days later, I don't fucking know. Their apartment is now just lit by candlelight, completely covered in tin tinfoil. Tin foil, Bug lights everywhere and Doctor Sweet visits with Jerry to talk to Agnes. This Ashley Judd performance is just Yeah. Wow.
1: I was just gonna say I wanna I wanna say one for the production design too, because like this room fe- like her apartment, it feels like somewhere different. Oh. And like that is just incredible. Like hey, it, do y'all
2: know what Froms are? Uh Okay. i it don't a chrome fr- no. is basically a uh a an image that takes the, co- the the main color palette from every shot of a film and puts it in sequential order so you can hang it like oh yeah yeah, yeah,
0: yeah yeah i didn't know that's what that was called
2: yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if it's actually the name of the uh the art style or just the company that makes them but if you i think it's just chrome.com you can go and buy some um but I would love to see the Frome for this movie because I can almost guarantee you the entire last third of it's just going to be this bright-ass blue. <laughs> Until you get to the orange, just a
1: one bit of orange. Yes, exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah, those are super cool. I didn't know that that's what uh, it was called. Every time I would see one of those, I'm just like, oh, that's so cool, though.
2: Yeah, I have one for Scream hanging above my couch. Um, oh, that's but, awesome. I mean, like, again, think of like the most. Like, go look for the one for Suspiria. Or the one, oh, The Wizard of Oz has a really good film, too.
1: I was going to buy the one for Aliens because that's my favorite film of all time. Mm-hmm. And it's there are some lots of red and blue. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think this scene is fascinating the way the doctor talks to her. We already mentioned how he has to just kind of switch off to, oh, she crazy I have to talk to her Very carefully She's going off about how the bugs are transmitters And Just absolutely Bonkers stuff it's I wonderful mean, it,
2: Truthfully like watching this whole Scene I was like I wonder I wonder if she memorized This monologue Like verbatim or Because honestly she could just say Any random shit she wanted and we would not be Any the wiser No <laughs> So I, I feel like though when you're doing something like this, I mean, again, like this is unhinged madness. Like, I feel like she must have just like astral projected out of her body and been on autopilot. as She delivered all these like paranoid
0: ramblings. It's something. I mean, it's breathtaking. I don't know if it's in a good way or a bad way. But I mean, this is just watching an actor do something you don't get to see actors do very often. Definitely yeah. not in this way. Mm hmm
1: oh this is absolutely a good thing <laughs> There's a, like it's bad for the character like poor, poor Agnes but like like watching this performance like I didn't even when I watch it and I didn't like this movie this is a powerhouse of a scene like anything she does in this in this and once the, once the whole once the film turns blue um, <laughs> is just completely crazy but like It just, it feels real, and I think that's really important, and it just shows how, I didn't realize how good of an actress Ashley Judd was.
0: Well, that's because you have not seen Double Jeopardy, Sean.
2: (laughs) Oh my god. Well, but again, this film honestly should have been a risk for her. I I truthfully do not know why she wanted to do this movie. Um... When
0: did Weinstein, like, blackball her?
2: uh i don't know about that i know it happened but i don't know the exact timeline yeah i I don't know the
0: timeline of it either because i was like maybe this is when she wasn't working really actually
2: because the two years before this was when d lovely came out is that miramax no that's mgm so i'm trying to think of what miramax movies ashley judd worked on but i don't know
0: Yeah, i don't know we find out that peter is a delusional paranoid with schizophrenic tendencies He asks her about how often she hits her weed, and she rightfully, often as I like, love to see it, (laughs) we get Chekhov's gasoline, we find out bugs are a fairly common delusion among paranoids. She insists they're winning the fight, even though it does not look like they're winning the fight, because they can now find the egg sacks and cut them out of his body, which, if you've seen the ruins, there's only so much cutting you can really do. (laughs) Not a not a good pastime. He's doing whatever he can to get her to give up Peter, and I find it interesting. Do you think he even tells her about Lloyd? Is this in her head? Is it just a thing that he has in his no, dossier no, no, no. and use it?
2: Uh, yeah, I, I think he knew this ahead of time, uh, and that's because she. Oh God! D- does anyone mention Lloyd in his presence before he does? No. Okay. Um. Huh yeah i feel like he probably would have looked into her but i mean hell maybe m- maybe not maybe he he is imagining her sorry maybe she's imagining him saying this but to me this is like he walks in and realizes oh shit no like he he got to her she's equally crazy telling a person like that you're wrong you're crazy come with me they're not going to believe that so uh-huh. he's of course pulling into the one thing that he knows will get her to it's listen. Wonder,
0: love wonderful leverage and it, it, it works
2: I feel it he
1: comes with Jerry. So if he comes with Jerry, Jerry knows about Lloyd. Like I if he's going into this situation where he thinks that these two people are, are going are like fully
0: Yeah, he could have been like, together. Jerry, what's the last a like, thing hey, I could use? What to... is
1: what is her biggest trigger? Like what is the one thing that like w- you mention it and she she's going to you know, flip out and it's their son. Mhm. So I just felt, I think it was a little, it could be a little bit, he looked into her, but he also, I feel like he, I feel like Jerry absolutely would have volunteered that information.
2: Right.
0: It's working, and then we see Peter. (laughs) Peter's looking a little rough. (laughs)
2: That's (laughs) an understatement.
0: (laughs) It's so bad. (laughs) It's shocking when he comes out how bad he looks
1: this is gonna be a really weird one but like there is i i re- recently rewatched uh, hellraiser one and two i know we, we, this is very strange i promise it. Will oh, come, I, I know where like, you're going with this yeah there, <laughs> the, where it, there's that patient that just like imagines the bugs on him yep and like cuts himself with the with the with the straight razor that's a lot of how i'm this is how i imagine michael is that
0: Shane hellraiser 2 right
2: yeah, that's yeah. true. Mm. That's that, that's that the one me... I haven't
0: seen in a while. I've seen Hellraiser, the first Hellraiser ha- a decent amount of times. I've only seen the second one once, and it was ages ago.
2: Oh, uh, s- yeah.
1: That's how they re. That's how they um how Julia gets uh reborn. Yeah, It'll I do, I, yeah. I have seen
2: Hellraiser two is my favorite of the entire franchise. Uh, and that scene is one of the only film scenes where I have to turn away when it's happening. Yeah, a, I guess I need a, to
0: revisit Hellraiser 2. Hellraiser <laughs> so, 2 is awesome.
2: Like, 2 is really awesome. So, some people might think it's too bombastic, too big, and they prefer like the more intimate setting of the original film, but I am very much in Hellraiser 2 camp.
1: Yeah. I nice. love 2. Um, like, I think 2 is a very good companion piece to 1. And personally, I probably could have stopped there and I would have been mm-hmm. fine with it. <laughs> 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 but... But I digress, but yeah, there's this part where, like I said, that he's cutting himself because he imagines the bugs on him, and that's a lot of how. That's one of the things that pops into my mind when I think of Michael Shannon in this. Is like they were just in the bathroom, you know? He was sitting in the tub because that's the easiest place to clean, and just
0: <laughs> okay, Misty.
1: <laughs> what would you not? Why would you be all like get on the bed? <laughs> like you, you don't need to be comfortable. You need to think of cleanup. Just I guess replace maybe the aluminum that is, foil <laughs> I guess maybe that is kind of a little Misty thing to say <laughs> though. Um, oh, yes, Misty Quigley
0: Not a bad role model at all <laughs> Peter thinks the doctor Is a robot and to prove it Stabs the ever loving Fuck Out of him Yeah this is rough I feel so bad for him
1: Well I don't know I really feel like he's kind of an idiot
2: yeah no i'm missing i'm like yeah but like at a certain point especially when he like walks out with a knife because the second peter walks out he's like good lord like he even he didn't know he had gotten this bad he's
0: very taken aback when he sees him
2: and he's standing in a room full of foil like (laughs) yeah and that's exactly it is like
1: when he sees how bad she is why would he think he would be any better like I, i understand what they're trying to do but like he, if he has escaped from a, a hospital, like, for, for, why would you not just, like, automatically be like, okay, fine, bye, and then just walk out? Who and knows? then call the big guns and then have them both committed.
0: Like, yeah, and, like, he has a drug, apparently. He's got a syringe he was going to use, but, like, bring a taser or something. Yeah. <laughs>
1: like, he just, he, I think he, I honestly think he didn't realize how bad in the short amount of time they were together how bad things
2: got oh yeah but that's also when you're like call for backup yep <laughs> get
1: out good god girl get out
0: <laughs> yeah peter starts making her feel as, feel this madly mutilated court corpse He is licking the blood and being like, it's synthetic. It's not even close. He starts ranting about how everybody has computer chips under the skin, which is why Jim Jones and his people were assassinated, but he cut his out. I mean, my God. Yeah, uh, Jim Jones was going to uh, expose
2: the government. So they killed him and his entire cult. And then it's like, oh, yeah, the Unabomber. He was also part of this thing. And then also the Oklahoma bomber. And then they're like, you're John Doe number two. The other Oklahoma bomber guy. No, that's who they want me to be. Yes. And it's like, I, again, this is all fantastic. I didn't even take notes during this because I was like, what? I, I didn't
0: either. I couldn't.
2: <laughs> like, ramblings. So like, here we go.
0: <laughs> I thought about it. I was like, should I go back and just like try to write down what he's saying? And I just was like, it's it's so much. I can't. I, Mm-mm. You just can't well, look away.
1: <laughs> also, one thing I do want to mention is uh, there one of the most heartbreaking parts for me in this is when after he stabs him he starts stabbing dr sweet and she's just like he was gonna tell me where my son is and you can just tell she just like in that moment right there like she's just broken for it oh yeah like she that like she completely. just snaps because she's just like that was my one chance to know and he's just like he didn't know anything about him <laughs> you know Goes back to
0: the delusion. And now he's like, they're going to control everybody with rapidly, multiply, rapidly multiplying brainwashing bugs. And sure. Did you hear that sentence that just came out of your mouth, Peter? Um, <laughs> Maybe make a little list like they taught me in therapy. You know, what does do the facts add up to this? Or is this what's called an irrational thought? He did not have this therapy tool, apparently, and just went with it. And then we get the entire reason to watch this movie Ashley Judd <laughs> monologue
2: oh god I, I so again this was the second time I have seen this um in my life and this is the scene that I remember I mean it is I, I've said unhinged before it, it, it is unhinged it is Ashley Judd has let herself go and is just like flowing this shit and it is mesmerizing haunting and horrifying to watch
0: I've never seen anything like it. It's, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, it's a, uh, it's it's intense, and it's it, it's funny because like it is there's so much just of that like paranoid ramblings, and she just clicks everything together for herself, and just watching her become, just watching who she becomes in this scene is just it, it is both somehow joyous and terrifying Mm -hmm. because like because you're absolutely just like oh she's gone forever but she's like she's okay with it
0: (laughs) the way she connects these pieces together and it's just like yes this is fact this is true this is what happened i mean it's frantic she's hardly breathing it's just i would love to know and again this is the main reason i would love to see this script to know how much of this was 100% scripted or just like hit these beats yeah. and go for it.
2: I, I, I'm I'm willing to bet that it's all exact from this script. However, the whole time I was watching it, I was like, you know what? She could just say whatever the fuck she wanted and none of us would know. She could say anything and it would still be in place in this monologue. <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: Culminating just... with her realization that I am the super mother. <laughs> the, the
2: the the confidence with which she spouts this line is, mm-hmm.
0: and wild. it's almost like triumphant.
2: Yes, yeah. No, she has solved it, but it, it's more so like okay, she's again. I know I said it earlier, oh, like that's her her point of no return. But this is her like, oh yeah, no, she gets it now.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: like she is in it. She is in it, and this is she is now the queen mother.
0: Yeah, she <laughs> is the super mother. <laughs> she's bug. the
1: me. Ma- she is the matriarch.
2: Yep.
0: <laughs> and she looks Peter in the eye. You know what we have to do, right? We have to kill them. We're responsible. They showed up because we fucked. You're the drone. I'm the super mother bug. And uh, they get pizza. <laughs> and then ruin it. Ugh, Unforgivable. Yeah.
2: Well, they gotta microscope this pizza. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: It looks unclean. How can you tell? Also, Your microscope is covered my... in blood.
1: I this is one of those scenes that i'm just like did they order pizza are they both just so crazy they don't really remember they ordered pizza or like do you think like jerry or smith or jerry or sweet ordered it was like i need a way into that room (laughs) Like, they'll open the
2: door for the pizza (laughs) man yeah i was confused by that too but i I, who knows at this point we can't trust anyone in this movie Uh Uh no
0: it's so bizarre. It always just comes out of it, cause you know, we've just got this monologue and you're just like <gasps> and then there's pizza. And Jerry gets his arm stapled, which <laughs> good good for her. Yep. And then they get naked again. Well say after. some weird shit to each other.
1: They've also doused the entire food yes with, <laughs> with high test like fuel. Yeah,
0: Chekhov's gasoline <laughs> is everywhere. They get naked, say some weird shit to each other. I am the drone, you are the queen, baby bug water. Oh, totally normal stuff. This say they like love it... each other. This is just so
2: scary. <laughs> it's so it horrifying.
0: <laughs> I It's like, I can't look away though. I can't. They say I love you. And then light the match. The realization on her face as it lights.
2: That's, we get a split second shot of her reaction when this, light mm-hmm. when this match gets lit. It and is. again, I'm just like, oh, <laughs> Yep. Ugh. It's,
1: it's horrifying. It absolutely is. Like, you cannot look at this movie and not say it is somewhat of a, it, it is not a genre film. Like, you cannot, like, yes, there, I would not consider this a black comedy. Maybe, mainly because, like, I just think everything in it is, like, You could look at it with a comedic lens, almost, like, oh, look at these crazy people doing this crazy stuff, I guess. But, like, for me, like, this is terrifying. Like, this is two people that self-destruct immensely.
2: I tried to think about this, because, yeah, because, yes, Freaking calls both Killer Joe and Bug black comedies. And I do, as I said, I consider Killer Joe a black comedy. I don't really consider this one. However... I can guarantee you, there are plenty of people out there though who would watch Killer Joe and not find anything funny about it because there Shot is a that lot. That was of... a tragedy. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, no, there's a lot of really. I mean, again, like we can talk about the, the 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 chicken fellatio till the cows come home, which inherently really is can't. a funny thing. <laughs> but it, I, I think I think that what Friedkin is doing in that movie is making it very funny. But again, so it's dealing with a lot of very upsetting material and content, and so. I can see someone watching that and say, well, no, none of that is funny. So on the flip side, I guess I could potentially see someone watching this and be like, oh yeah, I see the black comedy in this. Yeah. I mean, if you're not invested in it and
1: you just hear... Ashley just say, "I am the sure. super mother bug." Yeah, <laughs> I guess maybe you'll laugh. <laughs> I find it horrifying,
0: but out of context, that is very funny. Sure, I just um, laugh at the "come here, boy." That makes me laugh, but the rest of this, I'm like, "This isn't funny. This is awful."
2: Well, I mean, Killer I Joe. Laugh.
0: Fun fact: the reason, the biggest laugh that that movie gets out of me, is after the chicken show and Charlotte has been beat up, and Emile Hirsch's character is like, Charlotte your mascara's running. <laughs> That's what <laughs> makes me die of laughter in that
1: movie. <clears throat> oh, my God.
0: <laughs> we do get, however, two kind of little stingers in the credits of this movie. One, we see toys on the floor and hear a phone ringing, and then at the very end of the credits, we get a flash of... Uh, I believe is the psychiatrist body dead on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it,
2: it, it's a repeat of the first shot of the film.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: And it's call to call the question how much of this actually happened. Like how much is it is just in their minds. Like did they actually burn themselves alive or did they not? Yeah. Or that's what how... I
0: was going to ask about because I've, like everything should have been burnt to smithereens. Or is this just what? a thing of showing us collateral damage and that's not actually at the time frame.
2: Yeah, because you do uh, yeah, see... Yes, yes, oh, I'm yes, sorry, okay. to all of that.
0: <laughs> it, it, it's
2: almost doing this kind of like metatextual thing where it's, again, it's making the audience question what we have seen for the past hour and 40 minutes, instilling paranoia in us as viewers. Yes,
1: exactly. Thanks, and, I um, hate it. You, Not
0: really, I you, quite like it.
2: But...
1: You also see the toys, there. that's the same shot before Jerry picks up the shirt, like Lloyd's shirt. So I mean, that if I remember right, like it because it, I did watch it twice, it looked like the same shot. So like I don't know if that was supposed like if it's just supposed to be like this is the tragedy of this is the tragedy of Agnes White, you know, <laughs> like or is it like did this actually happen? Like well at least the yeah you know, burning yeah. themselves alive part.
2: <laughs> yeah, but no, I, I, I subscribe to the belief that yes, all this actually happened
0: same i also think they burnt to a little crisp
2: they also took down
0: anyone in that motel with them
2: yeah i was like man that place
1: burnt like i was like if you were in this could you imagine being the people next door though and they were just like screaming all of the time like the cops never come nothing happens like you know this place is in the middle it's a shady little
0: motel like Uh, but like if you were in the place next next door
1: and, like, you looked outside and your neighbor had covered every window with aluminum foil. I feel like I, that's when it's time to leave. <laughs> like, move along. That, that's at least my story. I'm, I'm gonna <laughs> see if I, my neighbors start doing aluminum foil. I'm just going to be like, well, I'm going to go stay somewhere else. <laughs> just for a stay day. far away. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. You never know what it's going to be do below. Yeah. Yeah. I will say, like, they did only get one take of that because they couldn't uh, rebuild. So, one one time burning. So well, it worked. Trace. we've already mentioned, but just reiterate, what would you rate this if you were just hopping on Letterboxd?
2: Uh well I, I did hop on Letterboxd today, and I did rate it five stars out of five. <laughs> I mean Excellent. Again, it's not a film I want to revisit often because I don't think it's like a very pleasant viewing experience, but like Mm-mm. the vibe of this film and how effective this film is compared with two powerhouse performances, really strong direction by Friedkin, ec- excellent camera work and tight confined spaces, like this is a home run for me in every shape, way, or form.
0: What Trey said. Also, <laughs> five stars. I mean that final that monologue alone I think is a hundred percent worth the hour and forty minute of feeling uncomfortable. Um, well, and again, and if that you final like Ashley Judd. Like,
2: yes. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Uh I am going to give this a five as well. What? Really? Okay. Yeah. You yeah. don't have to give
2: it a five if you don't like it. I, you, you can still like it and not give it a five. <laughs>
1: no, I, I fully changed my tune. Um, <laughs> and I think a lot of it was like, I am a, was a big fan of watching the trailers before I'd go and see a movie. And I did, this is a very different experience than what I had. And I, like I said, I remember liking Ashley Judd in it, but I didn't realize just how fantastic she was. And now that I'm a little older, and a lot of this makes, a lot of it makes more. It, a lot of life experience really puts you more have in a consuming. lot
0: of life experience with paranoia and self immolation.
1: Yes, absolutely. I do it every Thursday. Um, yeah. but, uh, it's very much more. But I just mean like the desperation of her, and like her, just her, how broken of a person she is, and. You know i've been in dark places before myself and just to see She's if you find broken,
0: like she if... tries <laughs> sorry
1: <laughs> <laughs> i hate you <laughs> you're welcome i that just song... had to distract so you with that Waitress. song yeah that song so she used to be mine by shoshana Band is the song i put on if i ever need to cry because i'm instantly gone like gone um the
0: funniest thing ever turn it on he's instantly weeping. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's it that that song hits me in 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 a lot of feels, but like it's just the desperation and finding someone who is a light for you. I I mean I kind of see that in some way shape or form. So I a lot of it really hit home this time, and I just I fully enjoyed it. I think it's like you said, two masterclasses in acting, and just yeah, I was. Teetering between a four and a half and a five on my first watch of it today, and then uh, the second watch just put me over for five.
0: Huh. Well, I'd love good. to see it. I'm glad to <laughs> yeah. come around. So
1: I went, I went from like one to five in the space of four hours.
0: <laughs> it only took us uh, sixty two episodes, but I finally found out what you thought of <laughs> thought of Bug on a rewatch.
1: <laughs> well, and this was my first time rewatching it since then. So like, it's not that I like. It, i'm one of those people where 16 years apart
0: that's how that's how often you should watch bug every 16 years (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) i'll maybe come back later but but like that's one of the things is like i realize how different of a person i was back then to who i am now yeah and just seeing this movie now like it's yeah it's really good really
0: good well unfortunately audiences did not agree (laughs) <laughs> On a budget of $4 million, this only made $8.2
1: I was part of that, though. I did go see it. I did, too. And I paid for my ticket, so I may not have liked it, but I at least supported it.
0: <laughs> yeah. So this was opened at number four on opening weekend, and placed behind Pirates of the Caribbean 3, Shrek 3, and Spider-Man 3. The first and last of those I did see in theaters and were horrible experiences both times.
1: Oh, yeah, because Spider-Man 3, because you said it came out in May, right? Yeah. Uh, so that's my birth month. So Spider-Man 3 was my 16th birthday. <laughs> we, My parents bought tickets for my friends and I to go see it in IMAX, and I just I very much remember... One of my friends at the time being like, I didn't realize how fucked up Chris, Kirsten Dun's teeth are. It's and powerful. I was like, "Ah!" <laughs> and that's what I think of every time I see Kirsten Dunst So out. my
0: Spider-Man 3 experience was a midnight premiere. After the movie, our car had gone dead, so we had to get jumped by people at like 2 in the morning. Everyone was super rowdy in the theater and were screaming out slut when she ever she kissed someone that wasn't Peter Parker and that was that night. And Pirates 3 was just so unwieldy and way too long. And we got very, very drunk, which is the only thing that saved that movie. But I was just so ready for that to be over. Uh, on Letterboxd, it's slightly more positive. It's got a 3.5, which for a movie that got an F Cinema score, I think is well, quite nice.
2: The thing with Cinema Score is like, A. People are stupid. B. Um, <laughs> yes. This movie is the, is like the the trifecta. Well, maybe so, I I have two things. But a mismarketing that will automatically turn people against the movie because they're like, oh, I'm I didn't get what I was advertised. But also really depressing ending. Normal, I mean, look at Hereditary with that D minus cinema score. It's because again, I
0: still refuse to believe that that is what Hereditary <laughs> cinema score.
2: is. No, but again, you look at any movie with a really sad or depressing or fucked up ending, they're going to get lower cinema. Scores like the movies yeah. that get your A's and your B pluses, those are the ones that are like happy movies,
0: yeah. Which ugh, Americans get it together in <laughs> France. This probably would have done amazing.
3: <laughs> <Sorry>. So <laughs>
0: just... come on, yeah. French horror movies have such downer endings, which is why I love them.
2: <laughs> uh, oh, I got you. It opened in France and it made $216,000.
0: <laughs> well yeah the french really loved this
2: <laughs> <laughs> for the record it was only uh one weekend and there were 66 theaters in the entire country
0: oh yeah see it did, it did all right <laughs> trace yeah, you have anything you want to plug? Where can people find you on the socials?
2: Yeah, no, uh, as you so eloquently put at the top of the episode, uh, my name is Trace Thurman. I am co-host of Bloody Disgusting's Horror Queers Podcast with my lovely co-host Joe Lipsett. Uh You can find us on Bloody Disgusting or also pretty much wherever you find your podcasts. Uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever else there is out there where you listen to podcasts. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, you know, give us money uh, if you like what we, if you like our content, and uh, go to our Patreon at patreoncom horrorqueers, where you can get over 250 hours of bonus content that we've done for the past five years, and uh, listen to us talk about new releases. But uh, every week we look through a different horror film uh, on our main feed, the free one, and we just look at a horror film through a queer lens. Uh, and this could be a film that has explicit queer content where we discuss that, or a film that has queer creators behind it, and we'll discuss that, or it has no queer content and we just talk about it as if it is <laughs> queer <laughs> and i can attest i can
1: definitely like attest the the patreon is very good all of i i
2: am a subscriber thank you yeah it's ba- it's funny it's basically like doing a second podcast <laughs> oh yeah
0: yeah sean That's talks to say. me sometimes like we should start a patreon you know get more money and, and, stuff. Then and i'm just like sean like, that, you that is don't twice edit. as much work <laughs>
2: so here's the thing it is it is because we basically like our recordings we we record mondays for patreon thursdays for main feed but again we're watching the movies we're doing the research blah 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 blah. um i will say that our pipe dream like when we started the podcast back in 2019 we were like uh if we could get 500 patrons that would be so cool like we could actually like make some money and we are at about a thousand patrons now five years later so that was really unexpected but very nice.
1: <laughs> well, I am a final girl subscriber. So. Yay! That's our <laughs> highest tier, <year>,
2: everybody.
0: <laughs> also, Trace was just on the pod in the pendulum talking about Jaws 2. I was just I on sh- it talking about Jaws 1. And Sean, by the time I this did comes Jaws out... the Revenge. Yeah. Oh,
2: my God. Wait, so who do they have on for Jaws 3?
0: <laughs> Sarah Stubbs from Geeks Who Eat and Final Girls Feast.
2: Oh, fun.
0: Yeah so we're all hitting the pod and pen at different times if you want to find us our podcast is on twitter instagram blue sky facebook just search the pod and you'll find it if you want to find me i am on twitter letterboxd and blue sky at just happy to see you number two letter c letter u sean is on those three places as well at
1: murph the smurf m-u-r-p-h-t-h-e-s-m-u-r-p-h
0: and if you want to email us for anything, our email is this simple little men who like men who like movies pod at gmail.com. Sean, what do we watch next week?
1: So next week, we are also going back to a motel. We um, are. But. <laughs> <laughs> And bad times happen at this one as well. Uh, but this one is a lot more stylized. And we get Dakota Johnson's amazing performance. We so do. next week is Bad Times at the El Royale.
0: Yes, it is.
2: Oh, man. You're right. Dakota Johnson is fun, fucking tastic in that movie, but she is not in it nearly enough. no No. she's not but they
0: they give us they give us enough we both are just like no
2: (laughs) (laughs) they could have made the entire movie about
1: her and i would have been fine with it um but i think she she what she she, what she does in that movie what how much we given of her it is enough for me to just i fell in love with dakota johnson watching that so
0: i was like okay before then i was never really sure how i felt about dakota johnson i thought i liked her but just didn't know and then i saw that performance and was just like okay (laughs) go to johnson a fan for life please don't forget to maybe give us a rate or review if you have time it helps podcasts get noticed so much and makes us feel really good i personally went and gave all the podcasts i listened to a five-star rate the other night not a review because i didn't have time but i will get to it don't forget to be kind to people it's fucking hard out there it doesn't cost you anything trace thank you so much for coming to talk about this really fun movie with us
2: Oh, no, thank you yes. so much for inviting me. I mean, honestly, it gave me the chance to revisit this film because I've been meaning to do it forever.
1: Yes, okay. absolutely. And thank you, like I said, I know we, I said I wouldn't gush too much, but thank you so much for everything you guys do. You guys are really, you guys are awesome. And, you know, thanks for inspiring us.
0: Oh, Aww, th- thank you
1: so much. Shine. I
2: mean, seriously, the <laughs> kindest words.
0: <laughs> and a couple weeks after this came out, I will be at your house hanging out. So, fun times meeting internet friends. You will. Until next time, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.